All right. Hello, everybody. This is A7X Pan Ben here with Xerix only for episode number 17 of the Pirate CSG podcast. Uh, God Mason is having a computer issue, so we're doing this little random one-off episode uh, just with Xerix and I. And uh, we're mostly going to talk about customs and campaign games tonight. So I've got some interesting new customs I'm revealing, um, sort of a grand reveal, if you will. We're going to talk about some other ones, not just mine. And uh, we're going to get into some general uh, campaign game discussion uh, towards the end, along with probably a few other random topics and whatnot. So uh, we're in custom ships organized version. Um, we've already covered, I think, all of Bendari's customs, so I'm just going to jump straight to Silvaxry. And uh, the first, I'm going to go a little bit, almost to the middle of the post, um, I see the Elegance, which is a Jade Rebellion one master, and it's a wind catcher. Which is interesting, because Windcatcher is at three mass normally, um, so this one only has one. I kind of imagine it as maybe the, the four mast of a Windcatcher kind of has like the one-masted sloop sail design. So it might look something like that. Uh, it's got a three L cannon, four cargo, and L movement. So I would say it's a, it doesn't have a point cost because he doesn't really uh, assign that to the ships. Um, I would peg it at maybe eight points. I would say it's a really um, a pretty solid Jade Rebellion Gold Runner it was used in games, so it's a pretty good ship. Yeah, I agree. Um, the fact that it's a wind catcher means you can like turn it 180 and go from there. That's kind of nifty and fun. Yeah. Um, but it's odd that uh, he only gave this one one mast. So, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to figure what that would look like. I think you're hitting the nail on the head with mm-hmm. like it would be like just the four mast on them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, eight points sounds about right. Maybe nine. Yeah. If you wanted to stretch it a little, um, I could see this going either way. It could be a small gold runner, or it could be a uh, small hybrid. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Captain I and Helmsman, you've got uh, two cargo spaces left, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, it's pretty solid ship. Pretty overall. simple little yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Nothing too particularly crazy. Yeah, <laughs> unlike some of the other things we can get on here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're gonna All see right. a lot of crazy ones eventually. Yeah. All right. Are we moving on now to uh, yeah. next up? Yeah. Because, yeah, I think we covered everything there is to say about um, the elegance here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Yeah, Kev, so moving next. on, uh, we're going to skip some of mine for this one. Mm-hmm. All right. So El Cazador. All right. Um, I'm going to take a look at... Uh, Okay, have we talked about the bunker? Uh, his I, mercenary fort. Um, I can't recall. Do we remember? I, <laughs> I think we may have. I don't know. Excuse me. Yeah, we might All have. Right, then, um, and I'm going to go up to this uh, Baldrin Gassernal, or yeah. Gassernarl. Mm-hmm. A mercenary crew, six points, links to a ship uh, that I believe is called the Dandarius. Uh, expatriate, hostile France, born leader. English crew may use their abilities on this ship. All right. It's an interesting crew. Yeah. All right. Six points. Uh, born leader is essentially same action twice. So, and um, and then the other ability with the English crew. I I feel this guy could maybe be a point less. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Maybe, but five, six. It's not much of a big difference. Yeah. Um, and since he's a mercenary, just based on some of the things I already uh, know of, 
Um, I'm thinking of like if you could find like you put this person on the forward, you would have enough points and cargo space to bring on some very decent uh, English crew. Yeah. Uh, first person that comes to my head is um, either one of their uh, world-hating captains, either the mysterious Simon Hermione Gold or the Disney Pirates uh, Admiral Norrington. Yeah. You would therefore get a double cannon bonus, if I'm not mistaken. Because I think the forward has the uh, true world-hating, yeah. where it's just plus one against any ship, period. Yeah. And then the Englishmen come aboard and they specify it, anything non-English. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a nice little... Uh, combo you could do with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, no flavor text, but there it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. You got anything else to add here for this? Not a lot. Um, I think it would be interesting. The mercenaries never got a marine, so I don't really like how marines oh, can shoot on yeah. submerged, submerged submarines. But you could put this on like a ram sub, as they, as God Mason would call it, um, to get SAT. And then to try to do two rams per turn. And then with English crew, you could bring aboard a, an English Marine. Um, they have like at least three, I think. Yeah. That yeah. you could so probably fit onto something like the Devil Ray. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, that one would be pretty cheap because you wouldn't be able to fit it on. Uh, okay. It. Yeah, but I don't know. They, they could make a decent combo between this crew um, and then like an English Marine and maybe a Helmsman or, or a Reroller or something like that. So. Yeah, I think, oh, yeah. I think it's a solid crew with some potential, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I'll go to our next creator in the thread, which is God Mason, um, who should be back next episode, which will be great. Uh, I'm going to go to a custom called the Stolen Kite. This is a cursed ship. It's got one mast, four cargo, S-move, and a 4L cannon. Uh, it's galley, and it says cannons must roll a six to hit this ship just like the Lucy's Luck and uh, Pestilence. And then it says, this ship gets plus S to its base move for every time it was shot at the previous turn. Wow, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, that is pay. very interesting. Yeah, so it's hard to hit. Then if it gets shot at at all, it gets faster for its next turn. Um, so that's pretty cool. The flavor, uh, it says, even after death, the theater troupe has recruited to row the ship play tricks on the living. Yeah. Clever. Um, yeah, yeah, this, like, that secondary ability seems like something that would be a headache to keep track of. Yeah, but absolutely. would be definitely worth keeping track of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right? um, if um, say something like the size of a six-masted junk shot at this thing and missed, yeah. or just didn't roll that six, mm-hmm. that's like six extra S movements to its base move of S. Yeah, yeah. So turns into a really fast ship. Yeah, it's like holy moly. Yeah. Um, I don't think this is worth six points with that ability. Yeah. I think maybe a couple more, like eight. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, eight or nine, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even the 4L cannon, um, uh, it, I don't know if that um, ability, the second half of this ability, would be considered a negative ability. Yeah. Yeah, especially uh, with such a good combo, because it has a defensive ability. If it didn't have yeah. a defensive ability, maybe it would be kind of a negative, I don't know. It's still pretty Yeah, so... And this the other, has, yeah, the yeah. other thing is that it's six points, four cargo S move. So for the Cursed, with a Helmsman, it would be three cargo SS move for eight points, which is actually a decent gold runner for the Cursed, regardless of the other abilities. Yeah. So it's pretty good. Yeah, as is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, 
The other thing, well, uh, you says, still get that six on the first cannon hit, and then it's basically all over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or ram damage, which I know got me. Oh, that's true. Yeah, about. one mass chip. Yeah, <laughs> um, void shooting together since it's a Gowie, you can't be pinned to it. Yeah. Uh huh. And then it says uh, gets plus S to its base move for every time it was shot at the previous turn. Um, so I'm assuming that would be every cannon shot and not shoot action, but um, that would just be one thing to clear up. Um, yeah, assuming it works that way. Like yeah, every individual cannon. Yep. <laughs> okay. So yeah, the stolen kite, interesting custom. I kind of like it, but it should be at least like, two points more expensive and maybe even more than that. Um, so that's it for custom ships organized version for this episode. Um, we're now going to move on to some of my new customs. I actually just submitted um, something I've been hinting at for probably a week now, which is a huge <laughs> batch of uh, custom game pieces for my for my new fantasy set. I've been making um, a bunch of customs past like three weeks or so, and uh, they're basically all fantasy customs, and I'm always known for um, historical customs, which is my main custom set called Pirates of the Age of Sail. I have links to that in most, uh, most of my recent posts in Custom Ships have the link to this, this spreadsheet. But now I created a new set. Um, it's going to be all fantasy stuff, no historical stuff. Um, so it's a pretty fun set. And um, Yeah, I was like uh, grinning ear to ear when you started posting these. I was like, yeah. yay! I know, yeah, that's pretty Someone cool. other than me has like done wacky things. Yeah, yeah, I like the, I always prefer the historical stuff, but I um, I still do like some of the wackier stuff. And uh, the Cursed are pretty much the best faction to experiment with like crazy stuff. Um, oh, yeah. I, the general um, name of the set tentatively is called Pirates of the Epic Seas. So I'm always like epically inclined and stuff. Um, <laughs> and the set kind of reflects that there's pretty much too many like large ships. It's kind of like, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, I think the Jade Rebellion alone has eight or nine new six masted chunks. Um, yeah. I'm looking at your post here for like the yeah. first time. Cause I was like, yeah. it says yeah, it's your, just, um, eight yeah. new six masted junks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah, and then the, the Barbary Corsairs are getting a bunch of four masters. Um, there's a handful of other, like, epic-type pieces, including a lot of curse stuff, which is, like, unholy, like, biblical-type stuff, um, taking inspiration yeah. from a handful of, like, random sources, because um, the curse make a lot of sense for that kind of theme. That's kind of, like, their theme for this set, along with, you know, some random stuff thrown in. But, Boarding! Um, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's yeah, what so they that, do. Yeah, no, exactly. not I always, dying. I know it was tough not to give like boarding abilities like every curse like ship or crew, so especially the crew that are like named yeah. after like worms and like creatures and beasts and stuff. So, but yeah, I just submitted a big post. Uh, there's 45 new custom game pieces in it, um, and I submitted it uh, just in time for Zarek to give feedback on some of the the custom pieces. So. Um, we're not going to go over all of them, to say the least. Maybe like a dozen or something. But uh, but yeah, you can start. You can just pick one, go from the top, or just pick one that looks interesting, and uh, we can just alternate like usual. Hmm. Well, uh, I'll start at the very very top uh, for now. Um, great apostasy, I believe. Is that how you say it? Apostasy? I don't know. I say apostasy, but I have no idea. Oh, apostasy. Okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> all right. Uh, cursed, 23 points. Ooh, expensive. Six masts. Okay, that's why it's expensive. For cargo, base speed, uh, 
All right, and cannons that average out to uh, four rank 3S and two rank 3Ls, with 3Ls smack dab in the middle. All right, and, oh, okay. Junk, fire pot specialists, stink pot specialists, and enemy ships with an S over this ship get minus one to their cannon rolls. Okay, and flavor. Yay, flavor text. Crushing the hopes and spirits of sailors everywhere is the great... Um, I forget how to say it already. Yeah. An inky blackness seems to emanate from her hold, where the sounds of cursed hordes and tortured captives mix to create an eerie wail heard across the waters. Doom awaits those who face her in battle. <laughs> I love flavor text like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, okay, this... Um, at first glance, I, I'm going to say, yeah, uh, this does seem to be worth every uh, point of that 23 points. Uh, for cargo, yeah... That's about average, I think, for six-masted junks across the yeah. board, taking into account Jade Rebellion um, ones yeah. the, and the handful of ones that are not uh, Jade Rebel custom and otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how to price that reverse world-hating ability. Yeah, that's like, the, the Enemy part. ships with an S get minus one to their cannon rolls. Yeah. Uh, that kind of reminds me of like the Albatross UT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit, but that. specifically just to cannons. Yeah. Because um, Firepot and Stingpot Specialist, those are two-point uh, crew abilities. So, and I would say without... I'd say a bulk of your point cost here is coming from that uh, last ability. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to underprice it, but I still may have. Um, it's a really good defensive ability. Maybe not on par with the Accorzato, but it's it's pretty darn good. Um yeah, it's kind of the flavor text um, is kind of reflected in that ability because it's like um, I read about the the great apostasy like uh, you know concept on Wikipedia, and uh, I thought like a really nasty defensive ability that kind of is like a it kind of the ship kind of brings despair to all non-cursed uh, factions. So I want to kind of reflect that, and then the, the okay. other okay. kind of do too because it kind of creates chaos wherever it goes and like brings doom and gloom to all who oppose it basically. So. All right, makes sense uh, yeah. a bit. Um, right. Although, uh, still, 23 is a lot to me, especially since you're mm-hmm. getting a, a six-masted gunship moving around Very uh, with a helmsman realistically at S plus S. Yeah, yeah, it's still um, not a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say this, though. That point cost, you'll be able to put several expensive-named really curse crew on there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like either version, well, I don't know. Uh, does the Davy Jones curse version of Jones link to all cursed ships, or is that his nah. Ocean Edge variant explicitly? Yeah, I think it's just the OE version, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, okay, 12 points out of 23, you'd still have enough for a captain, yeah. a helmsman, an oarsman, uh, an oarsman yeah. and maybe something eternal. Yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, it's a solid ship. Um, it kind of yeah. continues in the a horizontal theme of like a really slow ship with that costs a ton and has like a defensive ability. So, I mean, that wasn't the inspiration at all, but yeah. But Although anyway. if you have like, you know, someone who was blessed with die and they're shooting at you with rank two cannons and only roll five or six. Yeah. Yeah. You're, it's like, well, the other, <laughs> yeah. The other thing I think is interesting. I didn't think of this when I created the ability of um, any sh- enemy ships within S, which is, um, you could shoot at it outside of S, which is solid. Um, oh yeah, it makes it a Extended little bit range. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not all ships. Um, they get mine with one of their cannon rolls, and uh, I guess a world hater would just like negate everything. Cause it, then the ship would just yeah. be shooting with its regular cannon. So it's kind of a cool thought. Yeah. 
All right. So uh, maybe it could come down a couple points yeah. based on those. I don't know if you want to call it um, weaknesses in that ability. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you could maybe extend the range to just L or yeah. just make it straight simply enemy ships, regardless of range, get minus one to their cannon rolls against this ship. Yeah, maybe. And not I'd... specify a range. Yeah, because right. yeah. if she didn't specify the range, I think then, yeah, it's definitely worth 23. Okay. Because even if you're sniping at it with, like, like power cannons on, like, the El Neptuno, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah, or, like, Just... kind of range or somehow, mm-hmm. yeah. then yeah, you still get to think about it. Right. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'll start another one. I do like the next one, so I'll go over that one. Uh, most of the <laughs> customs in this post that I'm excited about are the cursed ones, but but I'm probably forgetting <laughs> some of the other ones too. So I like the cursed. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this set is making me like them more, which I talked about at the end of the post. But uh, the next one cool. is called the Black Death, which probably um, symbolizes what you might think the reasoning is behind that. Uh, the cursed get a five master here. Uh, 16 points for cargo. SS speed, the guns are 3L, 3S, 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 3L, and then the abilities are Massacre, which means that if the ship wins a boarding party, you can eliminate all the other ship's crew, um, and the ship sinks when no crew are assigned to her. So it has a pretty nasty negative ability. Um, so I'll read the flavor next, though. Flavor says, a huge hooded figure came to this crew with a revelation. He had discovered a trace of the Black Death, the plague of society centuries earlier, the crew eagerly became infected with the disease which being gave immunity to. Now they spread the old horror on the seas, eventually killing all they encounter. To ensure that, quote-unquote, regular folk would never be able to make a cure for the disease, the mysterious being cursed the ship to sink if the crew were somehow eliminated for good. So that explains um, both of the abilities. Basically, the crew is infected with bubonic plague. <laughs> it's going like, to kill everybody that they uh, cross paths with. So, so it's a good cursed ship. Um... It seems cheap at first um, for that speed, uh, the spread of guns and massacre. But then, if you can manage to yeah. kill the crew on the ship, it sinks automatically, um, yeah. which is pretty nasty. Um, Cargo eliminators would be the absolute bane of this thing's existence. Yeah, absolutely. Or another or if, ship you know, massacre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another massacre no, ship against this. Yeah, there's no protection. Um, what would be handy then? Um, would be to somehow find a way to get a crew protector on here, yeah. along with an internal ability. Yeah, there's enough cargo and uh, point space where you could do that, but I don't know if the Cursed have those abilities on yeah. crew, at least both of them. Yeah. I know they've got one or two eternal crew. I don't but think they have crew protect. At least and not, not on a crew. Yeah. Not on a crew. Um, yeah. To my knowledge, the only other source of crew protection for the Cursed is the Dark Pact. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Now, just, what you could do is you could get the copier Jones on here to copy that. Yeah. But the pact is 13 points, and Jones himself is 11. Yeah. So that's another 24 points in addition to the 16 you pay for this ship. Yeah, that's crazy. I just saw yeah. a, a couple customs down. I have a custom crew with crew protect, which is not the intention here, but that's kind of ironic. Oh, but, oh there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Problem solved. Yeah, no, anyway. It's a link to another one, but anyway. Oh. Um, yeah, I think I think the ship is fairly costed. Um, I don't I don't know. I wouldn't really want to make it cheaper because it is pretty pretty darn good, even with the nasty negative ability. And then another thing yeah. is to you know obviously you would want to fill it up with crew. So I would do at least Captain Helms uh-huh. Northman and probably more, maybe uh, 
Some extra weaponry people. Yeah, the specialists. Yeah, or a cannoneer. Even, like, cheap generics that would just help to make it hard to eliminate all of them at once. Yeah. Uh, That, um... It it reminds me of the, um, um, that old ability. It's like, this ship sinks when uh, she has no masts, or when her last mast is eliminated. Yeah. Like, seen way back when in Spanish Main and on other ships since then. Yep, absolutely. I like the new take on that. Um, Yeah. Because at the bare minimum, if you wanted to run this as a somewhat durable gold runner, I, I don't know why you would, but it's possible. Um, at the bare minimum, you'd put an oarsman because it doesn't take up space. Mm-hmm. And then you'd toss on maybe a helmsman and an explorer. Mm-hmm. And that way you're protected from at least one or two boarding parties. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know. Yeah, I would just use it as gunship, but, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, base speed is... like that for the cursed, especially who most of their five masted ships are squids, mm-hmm. which can't yeah. usually move and shoot on their own. Yeah. So yeah, this is a pretty pretty good one. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. I'm gonna scroll down and try to find a Jade Rebellion one. Cool. I'm looking at a lot of these. There's some cursed ones. Gonna have to come back to you since because the names look cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do some more soon. <laughs> Yay! Okay, here's the Jade Rebels. Alright. Uh, Ooh, this one's interesting. Grand Tomb. Alright, Jade Rebellion. 14 points, 6 masts, 3 cargo. Uh, speed L. Okay. Alright, we have cannons of 2S, 3S, 4S, 4S, 3S, 2S. Okay. Alright, we have Junk, uh, that crew massacre ability. And crew on this ship are eliminated after a number of turns equal to their original point cost. Oh, interesting. Okay. Hmm. Flavor. One of the oldest and most deadly ships in the Jade Rebellion fleet, the Grand Tomb is a repository for souls who have died on the sea. According to recent legend and hysteria, the ship is being recruited by the cursed. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. All right, so three cargo space limits um, how much crew you can put on this. Um, the the middle 4S cannons make me hesitate to use this as a gunship, mm-hmm. but with only three cargo spaces, you can't really do any kind of gold running with this. Yeah. So. Yeah, the idea behind that, it that is that. Ability. Yeah, it's interesting. The idea behind it is that like it's kind of like a graveyard on the ocean. So like, there's uh, so many uh, like okay. there's so many uh, like tombs or like. There's so many, like, caskets in the hold that, like, you don't have room for, like, people that are alive. <laughs> oh, okay. So, Another way to look at it would be, like, you know, a retirement ship. Yeah. It's like a floating retirement home. Yeah, almost like that. Or, um, been, like, since I think shit. the Jade Rebellion is based loosely on, um, I think, ancient China. Yeah. I don't know if they ever had any kind of um, ancestor worship or shrine stuff exactly. I'm not well-versed in that history. Yeah. But I think they might have. I yeah, didn't possibly. Knew. Yeah. But this could be like a one of those kind of ships, like a, um, like you said, like a floating cemetery graveyard thing. Yeah. Where it's like, all right, come to pay your respects and get off quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the abilities reflect that. Cause then if you yeah if you lose a boarding party, all the crew die, and then they join. They get their own tombs on the ship, basically. Uh, um, and then yeah. the last ability, crew on the ship eliminated after a number of turns equals the original point cost. That one is nasty because you have to time yeah. how you use it. So it's like, and I said in the comment right below it, um, a helmsman is only going to last two turns. So 
I mean, it's a really bad negative ability um, to the point where maybe it should be cheaper. But, like, I mean, for six masks and L move and masks, yeah. are, it's tough to make it much cheaper than 14. So I think it's, yeah, I it's, agree. it's, it's kind of a fun concept to play around with. It's mostly just flavor-based. I have a bunch of the, a bunch of the new customs I have are um, almost purely flavor-based. And so they're not necessarily good in game. And then of course other ones are too good maybe, but, but yeah, <laughs> this one's a good example of like flavor over everything yeah. in like in game, yeah. you know, prowess. Like and, yeah. And I can see uh, whiz kids may have done something like this maybe down the line if they kept going. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. People yeah. would like gnash their teeth over like, how do we use this? Mm-hmm. It's like, what's yeah. a good reason for this thing? Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I guess. How do I yeah, make this useful? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it is a kind of a funky ship, actually. But anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about Shipping Sai. He would last five turns because he's five points. Yeah. That's not too bad. Uh, he links to all ships, all Jade yeah. Ribble ships, which mm-hmm. is cool. Yeah. Uh, you'd have to hope you get that same action twice every single turn. Mm-hmm. And this would not be a place to put those uh, zero point linking crew because they would yeah. die instantly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh. All right, um, I'll pick another one. I'm going to go back up to the Cursed, um, do their third right. ship here. Um, this one is one of the ones I'm most excited about. It's one of their like flagships of the set, if you will. Um, it's called the Fall of Lucifer. It's a Cursed ship. It's four masts. It's 27 points. <laughs> um, six, yeah, six cargo uh, L speed. All four guns are 2L, so the best guns you can have. Uh, it's got a bunch of abilities. Uh, two hits from the same shoot action are required to eliminate one of the ship's masts, so the Corazado's defense ability. Um, you may double the range of the ship's cannons each turn, but you must roll a 6 to hit, so the sniping ability. And then it says, when the ship sinks, roll a d6 for, for every ship within Essever, so friendly or enemy. Uh, on a 1 to 3, replace one of that ship's masts with a fire mast. Basically, if it does sink, eventually it blows up. It's like a giant fireball. Yeah. Jeepers. <laughs> I mean, All right, has, so this is, I guess, worth that 27 points. Yeah, it should be, hopefully. Um, it's got a couple links to crew, um, which we'll hopefully talk about. And then the flavor says, An ungodly ship that may never sink, the crew of this vessel have a malice that is nearly unrivaled on the high seas. Her captain is the Archangel Fiend, a creature so vile that sailors have fainted in his presence, and sacrifices are made daily to keep a constant supply of fresh meat for the crew. Ooh, cannibals. <laughs> so it's like... Oh, it's just like the epitome of the curse. Like they're like worshiping. And or zombies. Yeah, they're like worshiping Lucifer, and they have this right. big flagship, um, which is really good defensively and offensively. Um, yeah, it's, just, it's like one of those god ships that's like totally over the top. But I couldn't help it. Yeah, so. <laughs> and with that much cargo and um, point space, mm-hmm. you could stuff. I'm, I'm going to say maybe three um, curse named crew who are not the links. Mm-hmm. Um, who are not their linked, um, eh. and you would still have enough room maybe to grab a coin or two. Yeah, absolutely. So you could run a very one ship hybrid fleet with this. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, we could go over the name crew too if you want. Yeah, all right, all right. Let's go to the name crew because I am interested now. I want to see yeah. what the intent is here with this. All right. <laughs> Archangel, Archangel Fiend. I like to pronounce it hard sometimes with that. Yeah, okay. yeah. Whatever. All right. Cursed, obviously. Nine points. Okay. 
Captain Fear, when this ship hits an enemy ship, you may also eliminate one cargo from that ship. Oh, boy. Link, Fall of Lucifer. All right, we just talked about. Flavor. This maniacal and brutal fiend has no limits. The extent of the evil that goes on aboard his ship is unspeakable. We're speaking of it. With words, with words spreading of his exploits, nearly every sailor knows to avoid him like the devil himself. Well, isn't that ironic? <laughs> I think this kind of is him. I know, yeah. All right, it's so like fear. Um, interesting. All right. All right, so captain is worth three, and that cargo elimination ability is four, so that's seven. So yeah. treating fear like two points? Okay, yeah, that's fair. Considering um, the way Fear uh, works, as is, uh, released by WizKids. Okay. Yeah. All right. Makes the um, Fall of Lucifer a wee bit more interesting. Mm -hmm. Because if you get up close and personal, Fear could uh, kick in and do something to the other ship. Uh, I wouldn't bet too much on it, but yeah. it's still possible to happen. I like the thought of uh, eliminating cargo with the sniping ability. Oh yeah, hands. yeah. I like that as as well. Yeah, um, be nasty. To do that though, you'd have to either stack up some cannon bonuses, mm -hmm. uh, and or get very very lucky with the dice. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the cannon bonuses would be the better way to go. The trick is uh, getting that to work. Yeah. Because to my knowledge, um, WizKids released and custom otherwise. I haven't looked at anywhere else in this thread yet. Mm -hmm. The cursed have one world hating crew. Yeah. And it's the DJC version of El Phantasma, which has reverse captain tacked onto it as well, which is yeah. blah. Yeah, that's probably um, like the worst version of Phantasma, pretty much too. So yeah. yeah. So the way to boost this ship's can this ship's cannons, um, so the sniping ability will uh, you can get get some wiggle room there. Um, you'd either need to, um, I'd say, hijack one of those guys from like uh, like Thomas Gunn. Mm -hmm. From Fire and Steel, or Roberto Santana. Yeah, that'd be good. From, uh, yeah. Also from Fire and Steel, mm -hmm. and place them in your fleet somewhere, mm -hmm. uh, and or um, maybe like a faction uh, yeah. cannon bonus ship. Yeah. Uh, as a last resort, far. going you could maybe bring a cheerleading ship. Yeah, that'd be but great. those are very expensive. Yeah, usually. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this this guy Archangel Fiend. He's designed as like kind of like a personification of evil and he's kind of he's one of the main cursed name crew in the set um and i tried to i tried to do like a naming scheme with a lot of the ships and crew of the curse that's kind of like epic and like crazy um i just kind of like saying the names like the fall of lucifer and like, the <laughs> archangel fiend yeah <laughs> and it gets it gets even crazier with some of the other ones but um yeah all right so i'll go on the other crew the fall of lucifer is linked to is called the disciples of lucifer this is a curse name crew, six points, two abilities, cannoneer, and the ship's crew cannot be eliminated unless she sinks. So crew protect Ooh, links to nice. the ship. And then flavor is uh, making up the bulk of the crew aboard the fall of Lucifer. These so-called disciples have a reputation for bizarre sacrificial worship. That is when they're not slaughtering innocents by the hundreds. So these people are like demonic and crazy and totally worship Lucifer, the end of the earth. And, uh, and they have good abilities, though. They com they combo with the ship pretty well. You could reshoot one of the the snipe shots, cannoneer, and then, um, like we talked about, six cargo and twenty seven points. So crew protect is yeah. a really good thing to have on the on the fall of Lucifer too. So it's a pretty good link, both of them. Yeah, and just between these two, that's fifteen points yeah. out of the 
Yeah. Follow uh, Lucifer's 27. Yeah. So that leaves you with roughly, I think, 12 points to work with. Yeah. I think. And then, yeah, and then 10 with a helmsman. Yeah. Yeah, 10 with a helmsman. Um, you could just go swing straight for the fences and toss Davy Jones on this to make it <laughs> that your definite godship right there. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh boy, you could get real crazy with that. Yeah. Uh, it'd be even funny. Yeah. Uh, funner is that i don't know uh you could even get even crazier um with uh a point reducer like uh sir edmund atkinson yeah or just sir edmund whatever his mm-hmm. was it fire and steel where he showed up again yeah that was the cursed version yeah yeah okay hmm. yeah all right that would be interesting to see yeah all right this i like this it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy yeah it's one of my favorite like <laughs> flavor inspirations for the set along with some of the other ones like the bones of the antichrist and then the, other, the the black star and moon sorcerer those are some of my favorites yeah. too but yeah anyway yeah. all right in a way it's almost a shame you're publishing these now when the cursed are about to be eliminated from CG3 oh I thought about that yep I know I would ironic. definitely use this yeah I know <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely use some of these for certain yeah yeah it's just kind of ironic timing but yeah yeah oh well next yeah, one yeah more on that more on that later right nice Yep, on to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so back to me again, yes? Yeah. All right, I'm going to scroll down. Let's, ooh, let's go see what uh, we have in the Corsairs. Yeah. All right. Ooh, Epis. Mm-hmm. All right, that's kind of interesting. Okay, uh, caught my eye. Corsair, 17 points. Ooh. For a three master, interesting. For a cargo, S plus S, 2S, 3S, 4S. Okay. Regular Corsair cannon oddities. All right, Galley. Uh, on the turn, this ship is pinned to eliminate one crew and one mast from the rammed ship. This ship gets plus two to her boarding rolls. Hmm, okay. All right, nothing too particularly crazy. Ooh, whoops, almost missed the flavor text. Named after the sacred bull of Egyptian mythology, the Apis is a boarding-focused ship that slams into enemies with maximum impact. Okay. <laughs> yes, that explains... Um the abilities, so like when it gets pinned, and then the plus two boarding rolls. I pegged those as pretty expensive, um, especially because the on the the pinning ability, if you have that on bigger ship, and usually it's on the little tiny suicide ships, but on a bigger ship, it'll theoretically get used more often. So, and it's a pretty good ship in its own right, regardless of the ability. So, it might still be too expensive though. I don't know. Yeah, I'm getting a. Uh, I'm just realizing though. Um. This should read on the turn this ship rams. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In. Yeah, yep. I think it's because okay. I just copied it from, like, the Maryland or something. Ah, so, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right, so, yeah, 17 points, moving around pretty quickly, plus two to boarding rolls, which means in boards you're essentially starting out with five before rolling dice. Mm, I don't know if I'd put this at 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, especially crazy. since Corsairs tend to run cheap, yeah. and I like to see that continue through with customs, but, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know where to put this. Yeah, one it's thing a, I it's did... It's a sized ship. Yeah. One thing I did with the Corsairs, I made them a little bit too, like, war-based, but it's because I'm naming a lot of their ships yeah. after, like, Egyptian gods and stuff, so it's kind of... It's always, yeah, like, epic. Focused. Yeah, it's always, like, epic, like, uh, names to go into, so making, like, a, a cheap little empty gold runner is not what I had in mind with some of their ships. And they actually got their own, like, you know, quote-unquote, like, godship in this post, actually. But anyway, maybe I'll talk about that one later. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
All right, um, I'll go to another one. Um, I like, all right, the next curse one. <laughs> you can tell I love the curse in this X. I keep going back to them, but, um, but yeah, the Purgatory is next. Uh, this is the next curse ship in this post. It's another, it's another four master. It's 22 points, five cargo, uh, L speed. The cannons are 2L, 3L, 3L, 2L. And then it has two abilities. One is the unholy light keyword, which basically means you can look at all treasure on ships and islands within L of the ship. Um, and then, which only appeared on the Spectre and Delusion, um, and then it says this ship has the Fear keyword, except that it affects ships with an L of it rather than just S, so it's like L Fear instead of regular Fear, so. Uh, and then Flavor is uh, one of the most menacing vessels ever seen. The Purgatory seems to dominate any area she sails in. Gold resources cargo humans. They are simply an obstacle to her captain's goal. So, pretty vague, but basically the ship sails around and it's um, almost like the great apostasy, it just causes chaos and like, it's got like almost like a zone of control type ability set. You can look at all treasure around you and then it can, it, it scares enemies, um, with fear within L and then it's got L range cannons too. So you have a big, you have a big L range to use all three, um, abilities and the guns. So, but it is 22 points, so it's pretty pricey. Yeah. I would probably try to use it as like, kind of like a grand hybrid kind of almost like the fall of Lucifer. Because it does have yeah. cargo, so it's a pretty solid ship. Definitely better than the Spectre, so which isn't very good. <laughs> yeah, um, I think Unholy Light as an ability may have worked better if the range was a little wider. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I've never used um, either of those other ships that have it, mm -hmm. but just within L range, in my head, that doesn't seem very large or very much of a range from the ship. Because yeah. um, if you're within, like, Elven Island, odds are you're going to probably find what you expect to find. Yeah. Or something like that. And if you're within L of a ship and you're not shooting at it or attacking it mm. in the first place, mm. uh, I don't know. It's just been one of those abilities that has seemed odd to me. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what um, having the effect of fear uh, have L ability, um, that range, as opposed to S. Um, I think it would need to be tested uh, yeah. a little bit, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, but five cargo, yeah, decent L-range cannons. So, yeah, uh, twenty-two does seem a little expensive to me. Okay. Um, yeah. Considering the abilities on the ship. Yeah, I, I just mean, didn't want to make it too much more because unholy light and fear aren't too useful, and then. The Spectre is a point less, but way worse of a ship, so I didn't want to make it yeah, and the, too cheap. Yeah, and the Spectre is, you know, bigger. It's a five-masted ship. Yeah, but the guns are but way then worse, again, it so falls really... short in, like, you know, yeah. every other area. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's still worse, so. Yeah. Oh, and so, then... I don't think... Hmm? Yeah? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, like I said in the, the post, too, um, I'm probably going to expand on this. I might actually um, mm. expand on the flavor text, and I hope to make some kind of linked crew for it. I still haven't yet, but... Um, but the purgatory might see more, you know, development as I go along here. So that'll be interesting to see if I expand on it. So, because all my customs are like, I consider them like open to revision pretty much always, like almost no matter what, for the most part. So yeah. Anyway. Nice. Yeah. All right. I'm going to scroll around and see what's what. Okay. We're going to go down to the other see what's down here yeah all right we've got blue whale <laughs> big ship nice. big whale whatever 
All right, 18 points. This is a friendship. Five masts, six cargo, L speed. Ooh, 4S, 5S, 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 4S. All right, and the ship treasure trading, um, which is once per turn, if this ship carries treasure ends with an S of an enemy ship, you may randomly trade one treasure with that ship. All right, as well as enemy ships with an L of this ship get minus one to their cannon rolls against this ship. This ability cannot be copied or canceled. Huh, okay. Odd little clause. Flavor. Arguably the most jovial and friendly crew in the Southern Hemisphere, the Frenchmen aboard this ship enjoy laughing and trading far more than quarreling and shooting. <laughs> they have a knack for winning would-be opponents over with their charm and amicable nature, which allows them to ferry gold and precious resources back to French ports without needing to use the ship's pathetic armament, which has not been maintained in adequate shape for more than a decade. <laughs> All right, that's a fun little thing. Um, so, yeah, this is a cargo ship. Um, average speed for five master, I suppose. Um, uh, an improved version of that, uh, cannon debuff. Yeah. As seen earlier, um, within L as opposed to S. And, um, the last little bit, this ability cannot be copied or canceled. So it's permanently always on this ship and only part of this ship, mm -hmm. at least yeah. with the L range. Yeah, because I didn't want basically Davy Jones on the Delusion to have this because it gets oh, boy. angry. Yeah, and that's one of the big problems with creating customs because you make like an ability you're all excited about, but then when yeah. you think about copying it on a ten master, <laughs> sometimes it totally falls apart. So, so that's kind of why that clause is there. And the yeah. can't, the can't be canceled thing is basically. Based on the flavor text, so like the sh the ship's crew is just so happy and like eager to trade that like you can't like cancel it to like shoot at it more effectively because they're just so they just the crew is just so effective at like their mission of you know just trading like free trade and whatnot. So it's basically just like a giant you know, like cargo ship. So, but it's a fun concept. So yeah, flavor wise, it's like a legal version of the sleigh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> but at least not as. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, and it was kind of fun. It's kind of fun to make like a really big ship with like awful cannons, <laughs> which is yeah. something you rarely see. Um, at least not like rank five, like across almost across the board. So, yeah. Well, there's a few cursed ones like that are whiskers released that have it. Like the Maman Bridget comes to mind. Yeah, that one's. But that's bad. that's yeah. still that's a smaller ship. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. Marginally though, by only one mast. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, I'll do another one here. I'm going to go back to the Jade Rebellion. Um, All right. Yeah, yeah, they're one of my favorite. Uh, they're generally my favorite minor faction for the most part of the four small ones. Uh, I'm going to go to the Grand Canal, which is one I find interesting. This is another Jade Rebellion six master. It's uh, 21 points, five cargo, L speed. The cannons are 3S, 3S, 4L, 4L, 3S, 3S. And junk keyword, of course. And the special ability says, Friendly ships that begin their move action within S of this ship get plus S to their base move this turn. And then the flavor text says, With a name paying homage to the Grand Canal itself in mainland China, the crew of this ship are among the most helpful and amiable in the Jade fleet. So another friendly uh, crew <laughs> crewed ship here. Um, this one is basically... Uh, it's named after the Grand Canal, which I didn't even know existed until like a week ago. So I named it after the Grand Canal in China. Um, 
and the Grand Wall is named after the Great Wall of China, of course, but yeah. this one is basically, I don't know, it's kind of just a general purpose six master. It's quite expensive, but it would be great in a larger game with like a horde of um, jade ships around it that get the movement bonus, um, and then it has good enough cargo and guns. Both of those are just good enough to use it as maybe a hybrid, um, so better yeah. in larger games, but... The ability is kind of meant to reflect, like, the nature of, like, a canal, like, letting ships move through areas they normally wouldn't. So the helpful ability is, like, a speed boost to kind of, I don't know, just kind of take, take, uh... Or, like, a wayfinder yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. hey, where's XYZ? Oh, it's over that away. Yeah. Thanks! Yeah. yeah, exactly. The ability is based on, like, the Grand Canal, you know, idea. So, yeah. All right, yeah. Uh, I think you said summed that up pretty well 21 points eh, on the expensive side but um as you said or mentioned it's a pretty nice um uh movement bonus because mm-hmm. i think wolf said this once in a post it's relatively easier to make a ship more accurate yep. but it's considerably harder to make a ship quicker yeah exactly yep so this is kind of like that i'm um Oh, fooey, what is it? It's like the cheerleader well, It reminds me of, like... Yeah, like it reminds speed. me of that, but for movement. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It is similar. Yep. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it would be so, good. I just realized something, too. It would be great on the first turn, because if you put them at well, your yeah, home island... Yeah, all plus could, around the home island. Yeah, that would be great. It's, and also, these uh, Six Masters, um, they're the largest non-10 uh, ship type out there. Yep. So, within S, you could get quite close. Mm-hmm. Or you've got a definitive range where um, area of effect for this ability yep. could be handy. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to scroll up here. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take a look at ship number one under the Jade Rebellion flag here. Mm-hmm. Grand Wall. Okay, obvious reference. Uh, 20 points, 6 masts, 6 cargo, base speed of S, uh, cannons of 4S, 4S, 4L, 4L, 4S, 4S. Alright, and junk, and 2 hits from the same shoot action are required to eliminate one of this ship's masts. Alright, that uh, or Corsado ability, flavor. Perhaps it was inevitable that a large junk be named after the Great Wall of China. The Jades have certainly honored her namesake, triple planking the ship's hull with extra timber. The hold is still large, but now the ship is one of the slowest in the South China Sea. All right, okay. <laughs> so, um, you've got the same ability as their Corsado at a mast larger, um, same speed and a point cheaper with more cargo. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this one. Yeah. I like the defense. Yeah. Um, Another I'm not fond of the S speed, but yeah. you know, I'm, I, I I suppose it could still be viable. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of cargo, which is nice. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of room to put uh, crew and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, cannons are Pretty rather yeah. well. They're not fives and sixes, but um, they're not threes and twos either. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's mostly it's another like flavor based custom, so a giant wall defense, um, but not a lot of offense or, you know, of course yeah. it slows down because it's got a lot of wood on the ship. Um, 
I kind of think it may be viable as like a an expensive hybrid type thing. Um, I mean, the, I think it's better um, than the Grand Wind, at least, which is uh, the other six cargo S-speed Gate Rebellion Six Master. Um, but With yeah, majority four cannons. Yeah. And it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's okay, maybe as a hybrid. I don't think anybody would use it in a 40-point game, but I think it still has some potential for for being like a rock, like a really reliable cargo ship yeah. in a larger game. So, yeah. And or being um, like a block ship. Yeah, absolutely. On a battlefield in a larger game. Mm-hmm. But um, for that, you would still need to be a little quicker and S plus S with like a helmsman, not yeah. counting any kind of extras this ship may or may not have. Yeah, it's still pretty slow. And it's still on the slow side, and still yep. not very accurate. Yep. So bring some cheerleaders. Yeah, yep, absolutely. You could combo it with the Grand Canal to make the speed a little bit faster if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. That's Grand one way of doing it. Yeah. That's like a merging of the Great Wall of China and the Grand Canal of China. Yeah. And if you had a friendly navigator somewhere, you could use those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trade right. currents. Yeah, yeah, not my favorite, but oh well. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, I'll take a look at uh, a named crew for the cursed. Um, I will do a non-cursed, another non-cursed custom uh, soon. But um, this one I just wanted to mention because people will recognize it. This one is called the Sister of Tortuga. It's a cursed named crew that costs five points, has two abilities: reroll, and the ship cannot be pinned which is not a crew ability. It's a ship ability, um, so I'm a little hesitant to put it on a crew, but I don't know, I wanted to see what it wor- how it works out, so we all test it. Uh, Flavor says, The Heg of Tortuga's sister is no less ugly, but more powerful. Yeah. She has recently been assisting the Moon Sorcerer, but wants her own ship. So the Moon Sorcerer <laughs> is like a really powerful named crew I submitted like probably a week and a half, two weeks ago. One of my favorite named crew in the set. And also one of the more, like, one of the main cursed crew of the set, like a signature type crew. Um, so yeah, this crew is decent. They never got re-roll on a crew, so it's really good for, um, yeah. like, one of the versions of Phantasma that has SAT, or maybe David Jones to get a six, stuff like that. So, And then this ship cannot be pinned. It's kind of, I don't know. Interesting. Not, yeah, I might have to ask Wolf how much that ability is supposed to cost. It's not too expensive, but I don't know, two points. Yeah. So we'll see. Because right now, uh, the bulk of the point cost of the um, Sister of the Tortuga is in her reroll. Although for the Cursed, uh, not being, uh, the ability to not be pinned, that's quite handy mm-hmm. for how they're boarding focused. So some of those ships that have the, um, I call it crew wiping because you wipe out all the crew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you refer to it as a massacre, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's handy for ships that have that ability and or other... Um, Boarding focused abilities like gold capturing or yeah. Captain Nemo type ships uh-huh. uh, type abilities, so quite handy. Five points. Uh, that's like what cancelers cost. Um, that combination, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Wolf, I think, should be consulted about how much that ability by itself would cost. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's only ever been on ships before. Yep, and ships of all kinds of other interesting reasons why they're costed the way they are. Yeah, yeah. So, but I think five is a good spot to uh, place this for now. Yeah, good starting point. Yep. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on a little bit. Yeah. Let's go... Yeah, maybe like four or 
five more of mine because I see I think there's three more I want to talk about. So if you don't get okay. them first, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, uh, oh, I'm going to go and look at uh, Bastion, mm-hmm. a Barbary Corsair ship, 12 points, one mast, four cargo, S plus S, uh, 2L cannon, galley. Ramming cannot eliminate this ship's masts. This ship ignores the first hit she takes each turn as long as she has all of her masts. Flavor? The Bastion is the most well-defended small galley to date. Well, that certainly is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the flavor it, text is short, it, but it's basically... Yeah. Um, to the point. Yeah, Bastion is like part of a castle, so it's the flavor. They named it because it's like, I don't know, it's like a really sturdy ship. So it's named after like part of a castle that would like be, you know, a stone wall or whatever. So. Nice. Yeah, um, that ramming ability takes away the inherent weakness of one masted ships, which is that it's easy to ram them uh, into submission. Mm-hmm. And the ignoring the first hit, that also takes care of. Um, gives it another layer of protection on top of that. So the only way to uh, deal with uh, the Bastion here is to hit it with a ship that's three masts or bigger. And uh, even in a 40-point game, that's quite the commitment of a gunship. In a larger game, yeah, that's still a gunship commitment to deal with this and or just bring a canceller to cancel one of the two abilities. Yeah. Yeah, you basically have to hit it twice. Um, and you don't have the ramming excuse, so it is pretty good. Um, it's, it's really pricey though. I mean, they do have a handful of six, uh, six point ships, um, with like three or more cargo that you could run two of these and probably be a better gold runner. Um, so it's not a, an amazing choice for them, but it's kind of stacked because other than the, the sp- small, other than the one mast, everything else is a strength. Speed is solid. The cargo is great. The gun is fine. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like a sturdy gold runner, but on the pricey side for them. Yeah, so, yeah. And this caught my eye because um, I've been thinking about Overwatch recently, and one of the characters there is named Bastion. Oh, okay. So I was like, "Ooh, what's this?" Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like the video game character, as far as I know, but yeah. still fun. <laughs> yep. Um, okay, I'll do another one. Um, all right, so I want to. Well, actually, no, I'll wait till that one. Um, I'll hold off on that one for now. I'm gonna go up to. <laughs> One I find pretty silly. Um, all right, it's a curse name crew. It's called um, Savior of the Antichrist. So, which is one of those like crazy epic names, but you'll see why I'm laughing in a second. It's cursed. Four points. Ability is loyal, cursed, and Doctor, which is basically um, if any of the ship's crew would be eliminated, turn them face down instead. So I value that pretty much the same as crew protect. So I put it at four points instead of five, which WizKids had it at. Um, and then flavor is this man claims to be the one to save the cursed from certain extinction at the hands of the powerful European imperial powers, but he is really a madman who has delusions of grandeur. Given his reasonable adequacy in repairing various forms of life, the cursed have accepted him into their ranks nonetheless. He still believes he will be the one to bring the grand plan to fruition. He is considered a joke and war criminal by those he opposes. So, and I said, uh, yeah, your comment here. How's that yeah. for a letdown? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Said, How's that for a letdown? <laughs> Despite the grandiose name, I didn't want all of the cursed name crew to be super serious. Demigods that are perfect. This guy went crazy and nobody really respects him. So I was originally going to mm-hmm. make this crew, like one of the signature crew that's set. And I thought it would be funny if he was like a random European dude who like came to the curse and thought he would be like the one to save them. And like, it's just kind of stupid. Yeah. Though. It's the random. name to me was a bit um, 
oxymoronic because it's like, yeah. okay, you're going to save the, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah. He is and good then at he's like, got that ability. It's like, uh, yeah, okay, can save, sure. He can save people, but he's not going to make the curse win like huge games or anything. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, that's a fun, yeah. that's a fun little thing. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to stay in the curse here for a little while. Mm-hmm. I'm, Going to let's see, is there anything up here? I'm gonna go talk about this uh, crew, the not specialist. Yeah, uh, cursed six points. Uh, gold capture. If this ship wins a boarding party, she may capture the crew at the highest point cost instead of eliminating it. A captured crew becomes cargo worth its point cost in gold, but unloaded on your home island. Oh, right. Curse got one of these guys. I love this ability. Yeah. Um, it's usually seen paired with a captain, um, as seen on Bonnie Peel and Arouge Barbarossa yeah. and Dragon Eyes. Mm-hmm. But has also been seen paired with Explorer, as seen in Barstow. Here it is by itself. And, yeah, I think six points. Maybe a little bit of a discount on it. I'm not sure. A tight, I mean... It's interesting. Because first up is eight points. Yeah, the pirates basically Thanks. got it for five with Bonnie Peel, who has captain as well. But then they got it for ten with Blackbeard, for where it's seven. Same oh, with Barstow. Out. Later. Yeah. So Bonnie Peel is the only version where it's worth five. So it's kind of. I guess it's usually seven, but I don't know. It's tough to use. It, it, so. It's fluctuated like that. Uh, like the boarding plus one to boarding yeah. rules. Yeah. So I went in the middle basically. So I went right between five and seven. Okay, ooh, almost missed the flavor. A strong man who was recruited by the sister of Tortuga, the not specialist, is an expert at lassoing enemy officers and yanking them aboard. <laughs> oh, that's fun. I'm like imagining <laughs> I'm imagining this, but all I'm thinking of is like a guy with like a ten gallon cowboy hat yeah, on the bow of a ship going twirling a lasso going, Come here. <laughs> yeah, basically that's what it is. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a big dude who was like probably like a European or American, but then uh, a Texan the maybe. Tortuga. I tried to like make um, connections between um, name yeah, without Easter having them all linked to each other. So in this case, this is the <laughs> Hag of Tortuga's sister. Like, kind of used her power to kind of corrupt this guy to some extent. Now he works for the Cursed, and like he uses his lasso to yank people onto his ship, so or they get ransomed off for gold for the Cursed. So yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Ironically, he would pair well with the sister of Tortuga. Um, oh yeah, reroll. Since yeah. she's got reroll, and the ship cannot be pinned. Yeah, that's a good point. Which means you don't have to get tricky and finicky and touch yeah. the ship, but not ram it, or use um, S or other forms of uh, boarding without ramming. Yeah, that's a good point because I didn't even think of that combo working. I didn't realize they worked that well together. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, oh. combined, they're eleven points. Yeah. And most, yeah, that, that shouldn't be um, too much of a dissuasion to use them. Most cursed ships that are worth using for boarding focuses, um, yeah, they're either a little bit or they're significantly above that. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so you still have room for, like, Captain Helmson Orthman or something. Yep. All right. Um, I'm going to go to... A Barbary Corsair ship, the first one in this post, and I think the first one in the set, because it's kind of like their biggest ship, um, point-wise. This is kind of like, I kind of gave the Barbary Corsairs, like, one of those, like, god ships, like, way over the top, like the Fall of Lucifer type stuff. Um, this is a Barbary Corsair 4-master. It costs 26 points. 
Uh, 5 cargo, SS speed, the cannons are 2S, 2L, 3L, 3S, um, and it's got a bunch of abilities. Uh, galley, AA, which is Admiral's Action, which means um, if you roll a 6, you can give any ship in your fleet an extra action that turn. And then it's got the cheerleader ability, friendly ships with an S of the ship get plus one of their cannon rolls, and crew protect, which is the ship's crew cannot be eliminated unless she sinks. And then Flavor says, literally a godship to the Corsairs aboard, who have roots in ancient Egypt. This Grand Galley is the flagship of the second wave of Barbary Corsairs. They plan to continue where Arush Barbarossa left off, with the European nations across the Mediterranean as their first targets. So... So this one is pretty crazy. Um, like I say in the comment, it might be uh, too powerful or not expensive enough. But um, but I liked in the flavor how it's it's kind of like their flagship. And Osiris is one of the um, most prominent, you know, Egyptian deities. Deities. Um, and then I kind of made. I'd a, argue uh, that maybe Ra would yeah, be absolutely. important, yeah, in, but that's just an Egyptian mythology. Yeah, I didn't want to... No bearing whatsoever on the ship. Yeah, I almost didn't want to make that a ship, because it would be, like, even better. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, fear, uh, praise the sun! Yeah, I know, I would have to, I would have to like, up the ante if I do raw next. <laughs> so oh, yeah. like a 30-point master. Uh, anyway. Um, so this one... Oh, and then the flavor text has... better like, have treasure ship. Yeah, yeah it kind of hints that, that like, Arush Barbarossa has been probably disposed by the Europeans, which makes sense. Well, he just... Because the Corsairs didn't, um, they didn't show up after Barbary Coast, so you could even assume in the in the timeline that that happened. But uh, and the ship is kind of representative of how they, the second wave of Barbary Corsairs that I talk about in the flavor text is more, it's more war focused or not as focused on trade as the previous ones. So that's why a lot of the Corsairs had pretty good cannons or have pretty good cannons in my fantasy set here. Um, the ability spread is pretty insane. Um, it would basically be like a grand flagship hybrid, so it gives out admiral's actions, um, which has never been on a ship before, and then at least yeah, it's really, Wits Kids released, and it's got cheerleader too, so it's a really, it's a great flagship that'll help your whole fleet um, throughout the game. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think the only like weakness of this ship, if you would, would be that it doesn't have rank two cannons across the board. But that's like. Picking. I didn't want to. Yeah, I didn't want to do that for the Corsairs because they don't have any ships that good. Yeah. So, this one's already more accurate than the Janissaries boy. Oh, yeah. So I didn't want yeah, it to too extreme. <laughs> it's also a very good ship. Otherwise, um, yeah. um, the cheerleading ability take that uh, how you will if it's handy or not. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but the crew protection that is handy. Yeah. Since the galley keyword allows you to ram ships. Uh, and not be pinned. Mm -hmm. That's quite handy, especially for uh, boarding-focused uh, ventures mm -hmm. with galleys and more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. If you ever do make the named crew for this, uh, I'm reading your comment in the post. Yeah. Uh, see what kind of named crew you come up to link with this. Yeah, that'd be tough. <laughs> um. Gotta be something like Maybe something that like completely clashes with the abilities. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or like something, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, maybe make him a doctor. <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be, that'd be too much like WizKids. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't want to do that. Uh, right. Enough people have already complained about, you know, irrelevant links. And we actually were doing that, uh, God Mason and I, because the Tejon from uh, Mysterious Islands has a 
a nine-point linked crew, so it doesn't work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you need a DeSoto. Yeah. It's like, I almost I was like, okay, he's nine points. There should be links two is like eight. Yeah, I think seven. Or something. So I was like, uh, he can't fit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even uh, if you brought a point reducer, he wouldn't fit. Yeah, it wouldn't work. reducer wouldn't, would take up points based on Yeah. Oh, well. All right. Silliness. Yeah. All right. Yeah, only a couple more, and then we can move on. So I got Ooh, some other customs to reveal the signature yeah. stuff. I'm going to take a look at, um, going down toward the bottom, uh, Possessed Skull, a unique treasure. Mm-hmm. Okay. This ship gains the fear keyword as long as this treasure remains aboard. Interesting. Once per turn, before this ship is given an action, roll a d6. On a result of one or two, the, the next player in the turn order may give this ship a move action. Ooh, ow. Mm. Kind of a mixed bag here. Um, yeah. Fear is uh, take it or leave it. It's either good or bad. Uh, clunky a little bit sometimes in the way it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that next ability uh, is a wee bit of a negative ability. Yeah, it's like Maps uh, of 80s, basically. Um, yeah, I'm looking at your comment there. It's like, ooh, Maps of 80s. Yeah, yeah it's like Maps of 80s, but that one's purely negative. So this one, at least you get fear, so it's not all bad. Um, the flavor would be something like how it's like a possessed skull, um, that the curse to like, um, put some spell on or some nonsense. Um, or it's like, you know, the skull of some former cursed crew. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, send me the skull's head. Uh-huh. And then send me the skull's head. <laughs> yeah, so basically the skull is possessed, so it, like, if you, if you're in possession of it, um, you'll scare away other ships because they don't want it, um, they're afraid of it, but then at the same time, the skull does have some power, so it can kind of... And the captain would be probably in possession of the possessed skull, so then they would... Um, the possessed yeah. skull, almost like the... Uh, in a weird way, a tiny bit like the Palantir from Lord of the Rings, it kind of, like, grabs hold oh, of yeah. the person, and then, like, it almost controls them. So this is kind of like... That explains, like, the... Or like one of the, the nine rings gifted to mortal men. Yeah, and then that kind of explains the one-two result where um, it's like Maps of Hades, so then the ship is possessed by the skull itself. It takes over, so. <laughs> Alright, um, I'll go to the next one in the post. I'll go to, uh, the next one is the King's Heart. This one's English, so um, the English Ooh, are only getting a couple um, pieces in the set. They have a massive representation um, in the historical set, Age of Sail. Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah. And it's only going to get bigger, so. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> they're going to have, like, hundreds of pieces someday. Uh, anyway, go Royal Navy. But um, but the King's Heart yeah. is a limited edition. The English aren't going to get any non-LEs in this set, I'm pretty sure. They're, like, the faction that's getting left out for the most part, along with the Vikings. But um, this one's 12 points. It's a, it's a three-masted schooner with three cargo. SL Speed. Uh, all three guns are 3S, so pretty mediocre, but then it has SAT, same action twice, built in, just like the born leader keyword, and then flavor is the personal royal yacht of the King of England. The ship is the newest vessel sailing for the English, so it's a brand new ship, uh, the King's Heart. Um, the speed and the SAT keyword are the best attributes. It's kind of tough to know what to do with it, though. It's not, I don't know, I, I purposely made it, like, I don't know, it's not really like a great warship, because it's like his, like, personal royal yacht. So it's not going to be like a frontline line of battle ship or like a great gold runner. So it's like a speedy, like a mid-sized uh, striker ship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it has like good speed and SAT, but other than that, it's pretty average. So 
it's kind of a cool concept, though, I think. I've uh, <coughs> heard and read about people um, who say, like, fast ship like this, call it, like, an interceptor type of ship. Mm-hmm. So, like, in a 20... Not 20 point. Good grief. So, like, in a 40-point game, you put a captain and a helmsman on this, yeah. and you've got sim action twice, decent cannons, pretty good speed, all for 17 points. Yeah. Which is fast enough if you get that same action twice to catch enemy gold runners. Yep. Like, um, like, yeah. So maybe in, we might be thinking about, we might be thinking too large. Like in a, in a real huge campaign, this is just like another ship on the line. Yeah. Or like, um, or a scout ship or something like, yeah. Very, um, but like in a 40 point game, this is a pretty good ship right yeah. here. Exactly. This could be like your primary option for a gunship in a forty-point game that uses the English, mm-hmm. um, who have very decent gunships, and uh, I'll say expensive treasure runners. Yeah, yeah. The main advantage would be the the SAT for the speed, because um, for twelve points you could get HMS Oxford, a forty-point game. But um, oh yeah. But if you get SAT, but then you'd have to spend some more. Yeah. On it, get you know the same action. Yeah, exactly. And the helmsman. Yeah. yeah, so you lose out on firepower, but the speed has the potential for SLS times two, which is very fast. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, probably. I'll pick. I think I only have one more to look at. So if you want to pick one more too, and then we All can right. move on after that. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll go back up and take a look at take a look at some of the cursed ones that we didn't talk about yet. Yeah. Um, okay, this one's interesting. Dead Keep. Uh, Fifteen points, three masts, six cargo, L speed, two S, three S, three S. It's a hoist. Uh, that massacre ability for the crew. And crew on this ship take up two cargo spaces. Hmm. And flavor. So desolate. Uh, sorry. So desolate and malignant is the dead keep that even the curse cannot keep a strong presence on it. <coughs> Excuse me. Nobody has ever met a single member of the crew and lived. <coughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's basically designed as like. Um... Ah, it's like a dead, almost like the Grand Tomb in a way. The flavor is like the like the opposite, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The so crew aren't eliminated; they just take up extra space. Yep. Uh, so maybe there, it's a whole bunch of buttons running around on this somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I like to see. I like the cruise ships uh, that have the high cargo, especially on a hoist. Yeah. That's very nice. Um. A little on the average or slow side of L. Um, I mean, so I don't know if I would ever put crew on this. Because the helmsman, uh, even though you'd get the speed to L plus S, uh, that helmsman would take up two cargo spaces, thus dropping your total cargo down to four. Yeah, that's one thing I would hesitate. It is definitely a big trade-off. Because if it's empty... um, you could argue yeah. that you're too slow, wasting the guns and the massacre ability, because you're probably not going to catch anything. But then if you had a helmsman, I would maybe run it with just a helmsman <laughs> and nothing else. Uh, maybe. You could, I don't know, if you do captain and helmsman, 
you're kind of wasting the hoist keyword. So it's a, it's not really a great ship, I don't think, which is part of the reason I put the cost pretty low. I mean, if it didn't have the negative ability, the cost would have to be like really high. Um, so I think it's yeah. kind of fairly costed for the trade-off that it represents. So kind of an interesting conundrum, I guess, if you will. Yeah, although I'm thinking about ways to make this go faster without putting crew on it. Um, so navigators come to my mind most uh, frequently. So if you have one of them handy, you can place a trade current, and if you get over it, you get L plus S. But that's still for a gold runner or a gold gatherer. That's borderline average. So you'd have to try to find a way to make it go even faster. Um yeah, so it's a tough. I mean, also running it empty, you run the risk of it being captured. Yeah. Uh, and oarsmen, which normally wouldn't take up space, would all of a sudden take up two cargo spaces. Yeah, that's, yeah it's a ripoff. So. Yeah, it's. A, I like. Yeah. I like how it's like forces you to like a tough like compromise or trade off. So it would be a definitely a tough decision when building your fleet if you wanted to use it. So, but I mean, yeah. it could still potentially be a pretty solid cursed gold runner, which they really need. So. Um, all right, yeah. so I'm going to go to the last one we'll cover tonight. Well, at least. I'm also thinking about links for this. Okay. Like the handful of cursed crew that link to all cursed ships, like Davy Jones. Yeah. And I think it's um, the Fire and Steel version of uh, Sammy the Skull. Yeah. Would they take up just one space? I mean, or would they still take up the two total? They'd take up the two, but then you'd add <laughs> one from the link, so it'd be like one essentially. So, yeah. All right, so. There's some interesting options there. Yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah. Um, the last one uh, for tonight from this... Well, not from this set, because I got a few reveals coming up. Um, but the Emperor's Thugs is a Jade Rebellion crew. Uh, eight points. It has the sack ability, so you can sacrifice one of the Ooh. ship's crew to give her an extra action. So a really good ability. And then it basically has gold capture. So if it wins a boarding party, you can capture your crew with the highest point cost instead of eliminating it. Then a captured, car- a captured crew becomes cargo worth its point cost in gold when unloaded at your home island. And this crew must be the first eliminated from this ship. So that's the negative huh. ability and why it's... Yeah, so normally it'd be like 9 or 10 points, but the negative ability is pretty yeah. Um The flavor says, Young Hu's personal security force. These brutes are difficult to negotiate with and use accidents to explain missing prisoners or captives from foreign nations. Often yeah. operating under their own authority... Even Jade officers are afraid to tell the Emperor just how far his goons have gone. However, their savage nature may be their undoing, as enemies specifically target them whenever possible. And then the comment I say, uh, I wanted to make some kind of flavor connection to Zhang Ha, who is a historical figure I want to learn more about. These thugs are taking things farther than their Emperor would like. And then, yeah, second gold capture, probably worth 10 points combined. Um, so yeah, the negative ability holds it back. Because if you get hit with nation or crew killing... This one's gone eight points right off the bat. But, I mean, sack with gold capture is amazing. Um, oh, yeah. So this would be amazing on, like, any of the six-masted jade ships. Um, or the Yeah, or putting it on uh, the Baohuan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what would be interesting to me, though, um, that negative ability could really come back to haunt you. Yeah. Because if you manage to win a couple boarding parties with this crew, you've now got gold attached to these guys. Yeah, good point. Yeah. And then if you lose a boarding party or you get that cargo elimination and with a hit, mm-hmm. so A, they go away, and then whatever they captured goes with them, I yeah. think. I think so, yeah. So you lose double. 
Yeah, so, yeah, that'd be nasty. Maybe it should be seven points. Maybe it's still too expensive. I might, I might post this with Wolf. I think he'd be interested to look at it. So, yeah, I think it's. I, I think, think, yeah, I think I like the flavor connection to Zheng Ha because he didn't really have any other. I don't think he gets really talked about too much in the South China Sea set outside of his own cards. Um, so I kind of like this idea mm. that they uh, that they're kind of mm. like his thugs going around, but he's not really supervising them, so they're kind of like too brutal and kind of commit yeah. some crimes that they they shouldn't be doing. And then that's why um, enemies specifically target them whenever possible, which explains the how they get eliminated. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's yeah. afraid of them, but when you do encounter them, everybody's trying to snipe them out with you know musket <laughs> and whatnot. So, yep. Yeah. Great shots. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. And then I got a couple other cool customs from this post. Um, the Barbary Corsairs got a fort called Ancient Sanctuary, which is kind of cool. Um, and then there's some other random ones. We covered a lot of the cool stuff, though. Um, and then the Curse got a limited edition Sea Serpent, um, which is kind of a generic but pretty decent Ooh. serpent. So, And then, like I say in the post, um, the Curse are going to be the main faction in the set, and then... The Jig, Rebellion, and the Corsairs feature pretty heavily, obviously. And then the Pirates, Americans, French, and Spanish all get, like, pretty pretty small, um, you know, representations or whatever. But they still get some decent stuff. So it's kind of like a big three at the top of, like, factions that didn't get a lot of love from Woods Kids, in a way. Yeah. And then uh, the other factions getting less. So And then the English and the Vikings yeah. are left out, but that's fine, based on the flavor of the set. So, whatever. This is kind of like the angle I took when I uh, made Return of Davy Jones. Uh, I made all the cursed stuff first, and then I think combined, originally there were like maybe ten pieces in Return of Davy Jones that were not cursed. Yeah. <laughs> and those ten pieces had to span all the other nations. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of my brothers got got like persistent about about you know was like hey what about this I've got ideas and so, yeah. so I'm like. All right, fine. I'll expand the set. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's a lot good, of though. the uh, yeah yeah. Or else it'd be like cursed only, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, it would also be a lot smaller though. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a tiny little set. Yeah. All hmm. right. Um. So next, I'm gonna do like uh, a grand reveal, um, of some of the some of the signature game pieces from the set, and uh, these are not in the post yet. I'm gonna post them uh, pretty soon. But I wanted to do kind of a grand reveal in audio form. Um, so basically, um, all right, so it's hard to explain it. So Zerix and I were on uh, Vassal recently, and uh, I was talking about this set and how a lot of the Curse Name crew have like crazy names, like like Arch Archangel Fiend and like like Bones of the Antichrist, that ship that I posted early on. <laughs> and uh, I, I talked about how. Some of them are starting to sound too much like Yu-Gi-Oh cards, which is something I enjoyed as a yeah. kid. And um, and then I named I came up with this random name, and it, now I've made him like the signature crew of the set, almost like a Davy Jones type uh, type signature crew, um, like promotions editor Davy Jones curse, obviously. Um, all right, so I'll get into it now. Um, this is the original name that I came up with on Vassal randomly. All right, so this is Denthalos, Lord of the Apocalypse. So this is a cursed name crew, 16 points. The abilities, it has a bunch of them. Um, it's loyal cursed, hostile to all non-cursed factions. So you can't, you have to have an all-cursed fleet when you use this guy. 
because he hates everybody else. Um, once per turn, give any cursed ship in your fleet plus one to all of her cannon rolls. Once per turn, roll a d6. On a five or six, you may give any cursed ship in play an extra action. This crew cannot be eliminated. It can only be removed from the game when this ship sinks. Uh, none of this crew's abilities can be copied or canceled in any way. Um, and it has a link to um, the Hell's Brethren, which I'll cover soon. Which, I don't know if that name's going to stick, but we'll see. And then, uh, you can pronounce it anyway, I don't really care. It's going to be Zinthalos, 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 anything. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you can pronounce it however you want, because I butcher pronunciations all the time anyway, so whatever. Um, X is all over the place. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, so yeah, it's a fun... It's a fun name. I just came up with it randomly, and I just love it. It just sounds so, like, cool and, like, ungodly and random. Um, and then the yeah, flavor man. text is, um, it's pretty long, so I'll post it soon, but a burly hooded figure appearing as a man to those lucky enough to meet him. Zenthalos is actually a former god who was stripped of the majority of, power, of his powers by God himself when he perpetrated a vicious betrayal of his fellow gods. He is now the ultimate ruler of the cursed and uses the considerable power he has left to guide them towards a master race of demons and fiends. His end goal is to unite with the legendary Davy Jones. If that happens, it will <laughs> certainly mean the end of the human race. This is the revenge that Zenthalos has come for. By ending God's creation, man, he will be satisfied at last. Until then, his bloodlust and power to dominate knows no bounds. So this is like the grand crew of the set, like the signature signature crew, like I said. Um, so he's ludicrously expensive, 16 points. Um, so you have to have an all-curse fleet when you use him. Um, you can give any curse ship in your fleet plus one of cannon rolls, five or six, any curse ship in play in extra action. So you could control an enemy curse ship with that if you wanted to. So kind of like an enhanced version of Davy Jones at six, but only for the cursed. Um, and then this crew can't be eliminated, which is huge. Um, it can be only be removed from the game when the ship sinks, and uh, so that's pretty nasty. Um, and then, before we move on, I'll just give my kind of outline for the Hell's Brethren. It's not done, and I don't have flavor text for it yet, but the Hell's Brethren is his linked ship. It's a cursed Ten Master. Uh, oh, moly! Yeah, it's great. Oh, this is like the craziest like combo I've made pretty much custom ones. Um, I'm grinning. First 10 master. Uh, it's 50 points. Oh, uh, I'm not grinning anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's impossible. Oh. Yeah, I might, oh. I might redo it. It's because it's so crazy. Um, eight cargo, L speed, and um, this, this is probably the biggest problem. All 10 guns are 2L, and then, oh. yeah, and then it has the junk keyboard, um, S board, so you can board an enemy ship with an S as part of a move action. And then Massacre. So those are the three abilities junk, built in. Junk, S-Board, and Massacre. So kill all crew if you want a boarding party. And then it has Link to Xanthalos. Um, and uh, so combined... You should bring that down to like in the 30s, I think, maybe. Yeah. I if don't... simply for the reason such that you can't stack it full of every single named cursed crew. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah I mean, just I... from right here... Yeah. Um, if you put the sister of Tortuga on that, <laughs> oh yeah, reroll, yeah. Uh, it's the it's the this ship cannot be pinned. Yep, yep. <laughs> so not being pinned with a ten masted junk, mm. ooh, yeah. you'd never lose a boarding party. You wouldn't have to worry about S board or any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So combine these two, the linked crew and the ship combined for sixty six points. 
And that's before Dude. a captain or helmsman or anything. So it's obviously totally over the top, but it's kind of like the... My set is like Pirates of the Epic, <clears throat> Epic Seas is probably what it's going to be called. So it's, it's kind of deliberately over the top, and this one is pretty extreme. So Zenzelos <laughs> is like... And I have pictures that I found on the internet of what I kind of think he would sort of look like, um, which I'll post um, pretty soon. But, uh, but yeah, it's kind of like this like God-type crew. So... Nice. <laughs> so he's kind of like nice. the ultimate like overlord of the curse. So, so Lord of the Apocalypse is his like. And he doesn't have limit. Uh, not no, because like if I oh, you want to use him with Jones. Yeah. <laughs> <Come on>. yeah. <laughs> so, All right. Uh, so it's pretty extreme, but oh well. Uh, yeah. That's and the Hell's, cool. the Hell's Brethren. Oh boy. I do like the name Hell's Brethren. I mean, it's kind of. <laughs> Maybe not a great name for a ship, but I I really love the name, so I might keep it anyway. So we'll see. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, and then ludicrously overpowered, but that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. I try to make the cost like reflect that. So hopefully, I mean, for I mean, if it was um, seventy-one points with the the House Brethren with the Zenthelos aboard, Captain Helmsman. For that many points, you could get three fully crewed five masters, at least one with oh, yeah. to take it down. So, I mean, I think, uh, as okay yeah. as it is, I think it, 50 points for a ship is totally absurd. So, I think it might oh, be. Oh, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> well, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, because we'll see, but <laughs> 71 points, that's, yeah, like you said, that's enough to get you three uh, yeah. armed-to-the-teeth gunships that are all fives yeah. and or larger. Yep. And each one of them would have canceling, because why not? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking like like fifteen points for a good five master, and then Captain Helmsman. Well, that'd be sixty, and then you could do two cancelers, or maybe skimp on one canceler to get the Endeavor for a pricey five master or the Corsado. Oh yeah. So I think I don't know. It would require playtesting, but I think it might work. Yeah. And then Zenthalos isn't necessarily done. He, I might actually give him more abilities, but I oh, think. Oh boy. Yeah, because I feel like, I don't know, he basically just has um, Roberto Santana's ability, which is six points, and then um, then he has that on a five or six. a whole bunch of hostilities. Yeah, exactly. And then on a five or six, he may give any ship, first ship in play an extra action. That's probably six, maybe. I mean, it's only cursed, so. Um, and yeah. that can't be eliminated. That's really impressive, though. So, so, yeah, that's the other rough part, is that you have to sink. If he's on his link ship, you have to sink, like, the best ten master ever to kill him um and then i'll probably kind of preview the other ones quickly um the demon king is another big curse name crew from the set it's cursed uh it's 10 points a link to all cursed ships which is nice and then it has basic abilities that are easier to remember captain world hater and eternal so so it's pretty good crew for 10 points um i'll read the flavor it says Half demon and half man, the demon king is, surpri- is a surprisingly happy creature. He is the right hand, quote unquote, man of Zenthalos himself as his main lieutenant. His booming laugh can be heard on surrounding ships, but he is only happy because of his immense success so far in his genocidal endeavors. So this guy's like a crazy, crazy dude, uh, or he's like half demon, half man. Um, and then I've got a good picture of him with like a skull with like flaming eyes, which I kind of <laughs> like, yeah. But he like laughs all the time. Nice. So, and yeah, it's a good <laughs> like, like Joker laughing, or just like 
deep baritone laughing. Yeah, probably like a deeper, yeah, something like that. Um, and he's a, another big, like, thing, so. Um, but yeah, Captain World Hater Eternal is a really good ability spread for any gunships, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I valued, I don't know, Eternal, I think it's worth more than two points. I think three is fine. So that's where I valued it here, so. Or even if he, if Eternal was two and then Captain World Hater for seven, of course, um, the link to all cursed ship is really good. So I think that could theoretically add a point to his cost to make it ten. So I think it works okay. But And then um, uh, the last couple, I'll just preview real quick. Acolytes of Xenthalos is one I came up with quite recently. Um, it's going to have a link to Xenthalos, and they're kind of like just his like followers or whatever, like his minions. And then they tentatively have Captain and Shipwright uh, abilities right now. And then um, I have one called Eris of the Apocalypse, which is a cursed female named crew. Um, it's five points. And then it says, give the ship a move action, but do not move her. Instead, roll a d6. On a result of four to six, move an enemy ship S in any direction. If the And then it says, well, so okay, so that's basically L moving, but S moving on a four to six instead of five or six. So it's kind of like increasing the odds, but lowering the distance that you move the enemy ship. So, um, yeah. And then it says the last part is if the crew is in, if Xenthalos is in your fleet and is removed from the game, the screw gains the following ability. Once at the beginning of each of your turns, roll a d6. And a result of six, any cursed ship in your fleet may be given two actions that turn. So it's like Admiral's action, but only for the curse. So, but mm. if, I don't know, if, if, you may, if you lose Xenthalos, you're probably going to lose the game anyway, it seems like. So, I don't know. She should yeah. probably be more than five, though. I should probably make her, like, seven or eight, I'm thinking. But... Oh, and then the flavor says, The Dark Lord Xenthalos has produced a human offspring with a conniving young daughter. She is loyal to her father, but will be more than ready to take over the reins of evil if something happens to him. So, <laughs> that's why she's the heiress of the apocalypse. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you think you'd use uh, some of these crews? <laughs> Um, I, okay. Mm, probably, yeah. <laughs> it's probably, yeah, I'd probably do it. Um, in a campaign, that's serious investment. Yeah. Um, uh, in a regular, like, ship-to-ship deathmatch, which is, like, the kind of deathmatches I play, um, I would probably definitely field them in, uh, if, yeah, I'd probably use them a lot. Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, heck, I pro- maybe not even on their own uh, linked ships. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, um, oh, Fui, what? It was the Hell's Brethren. Brethren, yeah. Is the ten- yeah, mm-hmm. that's uh, that, in a ship-to-ship deathmatch like the way I do. Mm-hmm. That would be very hard not to use it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. ten rank two guns. <laughs> um, I mean, technically, that's the endeavor, but. Like, if that ability was spread out. Yeah, even better. Like, yeah. each individual cannon, yeah. Yeah, because more durability, yep. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I mean, those, um, these are, like, yeah, these, what you just talked about, those are very, very extreme. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I tried to do that with uh, Fiends of the Blood Islands. Mm-hmm. Uh, although my overarching theme for um, Fiends... Uh, in addition to, like, the extreme angle was also, it's like, all right, um, the concept of literal blood money. Yeah. Hence, you know, the name Fiends the Blood Islands. Mm-hmm. But I like the uh, extremity. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, you just I think, 
But, like, I, the set kind of gives me an excuse to go kind of crazy. And, uh, hug yeah. And, um, most of the other curse stuff, I think, is okay. It's, uh, it is really pricey. Like, the Fall of Lucer is 27 points. So, regardless of the ship, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, Maybe you I didn't discount them like I did on, like, several of their pieces. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, some of yours are still, like, really underpriced sometimes. Um, not all of them, but... Um, and maybe I went too far with Zentheos and Hell's Brethren, but of course I'm willing to change them. Especially the ship. That doesn't even have flavor text yet. And that one... I could just make the cannons worse, plain and simple. So, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is kind of like... It's kind of like the ship of the apocalypse. It's gonna, like, end the world or rates of men. So, it had to be pretty crazy good. Um... And then, that's pretty much it. Um, I do have a ship called the Grand Keep, which is a six-master Jade Rebellion junk. Um, we saw the Dead Keep. You went over that one. Um, yeah. I'm t- kind of doing like a retro, um, like posting on that. So I post. I'm gonna post the Dead Keep first because that's out. But it's uh-huh. the, the Grand Keep's flavor is gonna be that. Um, it was basically the Dead Keep was basically a six-masted jade junk before the curse captured it and turned hmm. it into like a three-masted cursed Hoyt. So anyway, oh, interesting. Yeah, so I kind of got a little flavor connection there. But yeah, yeah. I've but kind of done that with um, the uh, fiend with the phobie bonus packs. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, where I've had like you know, okay, here's the ship like at X point in time, and what you saw in the regular set was the ship after things went down if mm-hmm. you will yep. um, I think so far the only bonus pack I've posted is the English one yeah. where uh, all the ships they well I think oh no actually no they didn't um, the first two pieces in the English uh, bonus pack uh, they're English there but their regular release in uh, Fiends they're pirate pieces mm-hmm. yeah. by the time they get there mm-hmm. so that's cool I like that yeah yeah it's a good way to yeah, I'm trying to connect some of the different game pieces flavor-wise, so, yeah. Um, and then Grand Keep is kind of like, kind of a cool name, kind of like the keep of a castle, basically, is the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, Mine's so one of them, the one I made called Misfortune's Keep. Oh, yes, I remember that one, yeah. It's a junk, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's got six masks, it goes two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, that's There's no other abilities. Yeah, <laughs> That's pretty funny, though. Uh, cool. You could even do... I know you don't love the rank 1 cannons, but you could take a page out of my book and go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Uh, <laughs> what if you I made think a... I I repeated one of the 3Ls. Yeah, yeah. Or I repeated a, a rank 3 cannon, so it's like 2, 3, 3, 4, 5, 6, yeah. or some yeah. nonsense like that. Yeah. You could do something really dumb and do like a... A countdown ten master that has ten cannons. Like, <laughs> ten nine eight seven six five four three two yeah. one. <laughs> but then make it like really expensive, so you could actually stack like four or five cannon bonuses to get to get the ten S to hit or something. <laughs> but you probably need. Or to just have like part of the ability text. When this ship is given a shoot action, you may roll a D ten. Yeah. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's actually one of the changes God Mason wants to make to the game. <laughs> Use uh, a D ten. Yeah. All right. Yeah, he likes how a D twenty or or less uh, gives you more like of a range for the abilities yeah. to be used. So, which makes sense. I mean, I've floated using like you know D tens and D twelves, like for ships that have like six rank cannons on them, mm-hmm. or just D eights. Yeah. Because then there's a chance that those will hit um, without uh, putting like an absurd amount of cannon boosters 
on and or near them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I may actually uh, do that one of these days, like play pirates with like a D8 or D10. Yeah. yeah what happens. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Or you could get like yeah, cheer, cheerleader ships. The uh, bonus comes <laughs> from separate ships. So you use multiples, but that'd be super, uh, super expensive, uh, of course. So. Rather ineffective, especially if you get wind up in a tight maneuvering space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Yeah. So that pretty much does it for like what we were going to cover from my set. Um, Parts of the Epic Seas is the tentative name, and I'll be posting more, um, a little bit more. But the set's almost done. I mean, it's got over a hundred pieces. I'm not even going to bother with generic crew. I don't think because um, it's kind of it's kind of just random. But uh, the next thing is just a little random topic. Um, actually it connects to, uh, the campaign games that we'll talk about. So we had a situation basically in Vassal campaign game three, we've got six players on the Vassal module. Um, Xerix and I are playing, um, and I'm controlling the, the Americans. I'm at war with the curse to Xerix controls. And recently and we're getting re-killed. Yeah. Um, dead already <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. So there's a brutal war going on right now near the cursed Hawaiian, but there was a situation where, and I posted this in the rules thread, and it got the post got long, as it always does in the rules thread for me. Um, I always write more and ask more questions than I originally had. As I'm typing, I'm like, oh, what about this? And then, oh, like, what if this other thing happened? Like, all these contingencies. But uh, the Mobilis was... Try to be thorough. Yeah, the Mobilis was... A, it's a submarine with canceling. It was underwater. It had a fire mast, and the other mast was out. Um, so it was already eliminated. So I brought it to the surface. Um, I rolled well on the fire mast and used a shipwright to repair on the surface because it can't repair submerged. But in the rules thread, I didn't understand if... I mean, I think I know the answer. But if you only have one fire mast on a ship and the other mast is gone, but it's not a fire mast or a, you know, a mast that's standing, if you roll bad for the fire, I feel like it should spread to that empty slot. But I don't think it does. He, Wolf didn't respond yet, but... Um, I don't know. I don't know how that should be handled, but I feel like the fire should spread anyway. It just seems like it would. But I don't know. I think the situation got a little complicated because we were talking about fire on a submarine while it was submerged. Yeah. Um, I've played this where um, ships that have shipwrights on them that are like bigger than, say, two masts, like, say, a damaged uh, capital ship or a damaged um, four or fiver. Mm-hmm. And they've got um, only fire masts but it's only like because they got hit once so one of their masts got replaced with the fire mast all the others got shot off mm-hmm. yeah. so they have the option um to repair the mast yeah I like so that. you can give the ship an, uh the action with the ship right to repair the mast at sea um however because you've given the ship an action you've done something with it that means you have to roll for the fire mast ability mm-hmm um, and if you roll badly, say like the, whatever it takes to spread the fire, then the fire would jump and you would have two fire masts as opposed to zero. Yeah. And I've done this where you can do this up until you have literally only fire masts mm-hmm. or until you start rolling well enough to where you eliminate some yeah. and or you have enough where no effect happens where you can get to where you can dock to just put them all out. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's how I used to play it. Um, in old campaign games, like, I'm thinking maybe even before Economy Edition, that makes sense, too, because, like, and that's what I find strange about the Firemask thing, because it says, 
when the ship has only fire masts, which means you can have empty slots and still need the automatic scuttling, but that's kind of, it's kind of silly, because like you said, if there's a five masts, you know, available, and they're all empty, but you have one fire mast, it doesn't seem like it should just burn right away. It would take, it would take some time to burn to the waterline or whatever, so like in real life, I don't know. I mean, you well, it also depends, like, if you want to get technical, mm-hmm. if you've got a fiver that's got only one fire mast and all the others are uh, eliminated somehow or other, you could say that the one fire that's burning is burning over the powder room mm-hmm. yeah, or the yeah, powder storage on yeah. the ship. Uh-huh, yeah. Huh. Um, and but then, I typically, um, um, because I've the fiscal campaigns I've played, there's a limited number of shipwrights yeah. uh, and generic crew available. So even though I've made like, you know, little paper ones, I still sometimes run out mm-hmm. and or I just don't think about it because I throw uh, quali- quantity over qu- over quality yeah. at uh, foes occasionally. Mm-hmm. So I sometimes don't put shipwrights on the big capital ships. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And yeah, then, I, I, you know, it's like, OK, I can't repair. There's no mast for the fire mast to go and replace. Mm-hmm. Um I can give it a move action kind of with an oarsman if I'm within range of like a friendly fort or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but odds are that ship's just going to scuttle next turn. All right. Too bad. Move on. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. I got lucky with the Mobilis. Um, yeah. And I had you to. my plan. I was yeah, hoping that yeah, the Mobilis would go down, but yeah. it was not. Me. Yeah. It was close, but um, what's going to say? Oh, yeah. I had to make like hundreds of paper crew for Command the Oceans because I ran out of. I was going to run out of generic crew chips, but then I just stopped using them because it was more convenient to use the other ones. But that was literally because, I think I explained in a post, there was not enough room in the two rooms I was using to put deck plates with crew, generic crew chips. Because the chips aren't that big, but they're still, like, squares. Sizable, yeah. Yeah, so if I had those on deck plates, I couldn't stack deck plates enough. Yeah, and you you saw from the pictures, only, like, the name of the ship is visible. (laughs) So, so, like, I I can do... Like the point in ship counts, but other than that, I had to use like little tiny, tiny um, crew chips. Most of them were cut for um, index cards to make little, like, little tiny dinky ships. Um, okay, cool. It worked well. So I've just used like straight up paper. Yeah, I, I've used. Um, that I haven't too, thought absolutely. of using index cards, um, at least not for like paper crew chips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I've used pieces of paper too because I created like a type document uh, at college where I I made that partially for new players, so then they could have like captain. With three in parentheses, because um, they wouldn't—they were yep. not going to pull a captain from a pack usually. So, um, and yep. then just to finish up the little quick discussion, do you think uh, do you think shipwrights should be able to repair fire masts directly? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, it takes away part of what makes um, fire such a deadly weapon mm-hmm. in the game. Um, I think that's okay, because I explained the rules yeah. post, because, uh, well, uh, I think shipwrights should be able to repair fire masts, um, although they shouldn't be able to make it go from a fire mast to a regular mast in one action. Like, you should take a, a repair action with the shipwright to eliminate the fire mast, and then another one to get the mast back up. Um, but, yeah, so, like, fire is two points, and people think it's, like, too good, and then shipwrights are t- also two points, but usually people don't use them. And even when they do, the combat usually ends before you can use a shipwright. So they're usually not a very good choice. So I think it's a yeah. decent house rule to make shipwrights more viable and fire like slightly less like OP or overpowered, which I don't really think it is, but you can make a case that it is. So. 
the other way to make um, abilities with like the fire is to maybe just increase their cost. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did the opposite, I think, for a few things uh, regarding the Vikings, and that's been like a house rule for other people who do campaigns. It's just like cut the cost of every single Viking ship in half, yeah. and I think round up if you have an odd number. Yeah. So a fire pot specialist is two points. Maybe just double it to make it four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then, but keep um, the rules as they are mm-hmm. about how they spread and whatnot. Uh, equipment. Um, okay. Was it exploding shot that was misprinted or was it just regular fire shot? Yeah. Exploding shot is three, not one. Yep. Okay. So fire shot. Um, okay. You've got the negative ability tacked onto it. With fire shot, if you roll the one, A, you've set yourself on fire and you lose the equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think fire shot is okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's But the specialists, drama. maybe you could double their point cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or at least fire pot. I think smoke pot should be two because it's not a weapon, really. I think it's, it's, an, it's like a niche crew, but I think three yeah. is too much. If anything, maybe swap it with fire pot. Fire pot could oh, be there you go. smoke pot, too. Yeah, I think that makes sense, too. I didn't think of that until now, but yeah. Um, That's another thing you could do with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get to all kinds of like little minor house rules for a generic crew. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I got to go to the bathroom. If you want to give like a preview to Beans of the Blood Islands, because God Mason and I are going to start talking about that in another episode or two once we finish RODJ. So I'll be right back. All right. I'll go bring back up the uh, organized thread. Okay. <laughs> oh, this chest cough is chest cold is not doing me any favors. Okay, so uh, Fiends of the Blood Islands is my second custom set after Return of Davy Jones. Um, most of it is in the uh, custom ships organized thread on miniature trading uh, below um, the Return of Davy Jones stuff. Uh, I will eventually, once I have released everything that's actually to be released in uh, Fiends, shorthanded to either Phobie or just Fiends, uh, I will be putting all of it into a spreadsheet and uploading it to Board Game Geek once I have published every single piece. Um, I've gone through all of the uh, regular uh, rarity release stuff, you know, like the stuff that's rare, common, uncommon, etc. and so forth. Uh, I've put together a super rare pack um, for them, which uh, uh, contains uh, more Jade Rebels. Uh, I've got limited edition uh, pieces for it, much more in-depth than uh, the ones that that were for um, Return of Davy Jones, which were just kind of slapped on at the end. And I've got a few special edition ships. On top of all that, I am now doing um, bonus like convention packs, uh, if you will, similar to, um, in a, similar in idea to the, um, convention pack from Mysterious Islands, which had the Locker, the Pyre, Edward Lowe, and I think the Gemma Hades in them. But these, uh, bonus packs, as I am calling them, are more story and flavor oriented. Uh, each one has a piece that is uh, either directly or indirectly related flavor-wise to a piece that I have already put forth, either from Fiends itself or from uh, the previous Return of Davy Jones 
or just even relating to uh, WizKids pieces um, that were released. Yeah. Uh, on top of all that, each piece, like, and there's like five pieces in each pack, each piece has its own independent story insert. Yeah. Um, I've got the ships and crew for those uh, more or less down pat. Mm -hmm. What's um, clogging things up right now is uh, writing out the story inserts for them. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of the reason I skip out on flavor text sometimes, because I, I just yeah. want to make more customs without having to explain all of them. So, uh, yeah. All right. I'm going to let's uh, let's take a look at um, the first ship uh, I have posted for Fiends of the Blood Islands under the Spanish. Mm -hmm. All right. I've, we have the uh, Santissima Trinidad, 26 points, five masts, 3S, 4S, 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 3S. Three cargo, base move of L. All right, abilities are, this ship eliminates two masts with each hit. This ship's cannons cannot be eliminated. Mast still may be. If derelict, she cannot shoot. Uh, I have flavor text for this somewhere, but I'm not seeing it here in my post, so there it is. Um, I was, I went back and forth on this one a lot, um, because, uh, me and my brothers designed this. We were like, oh, the guns, they're not very accurate, so we wouldn't use it. But I didn't really want to make it more expensive than the Dreadnought. Uh, it's got some extremely good abilities on it because um, that two masts in one hit, you know, even if the ship has, like, you know, only one actual mast left, all five cannons are still there, and each cannon has that ability. I think... Um, Having only three cargo helps make this not too powerful, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I also I didn't want to give it S speed because in my I thought that would just plunge it way down into being almost unusable, even with the potent yeah. offensive abilities on it. Yeah. So that's why it's got the L. Mm -hmm. um, and there's still enough good options within the Spanish um, crew to where. Um, even just a generic captain, helmsman, and some kind of specialist with an oarsman to keep the ability going will make this a pretty uh, potent ship. Yeah, Plus, absolutely. Plus, crew options and cargo boosting options are uh, to be considered. Since outside of, I'm just realizing this, outside of the Americans, uh, the Spanish got generic cargo masters in Return to Savage Shores. Mm-hmm. So you could stack one or two of them, not on the ship, obviously, because it needed the point cost, but you could stack one or two of those guys elsewhere in your fleet, and now that Trinidad has five cargo. However, woe betide you if those cargo masters are ever eliminated or canceled, because that would have serious repercussions. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And this one was inspired by the historical Trinidad, right? Just like mine from uh, uh, yeah. Age of Sail. Yeah. So basically, for yeah. anybody that doesn't know, uh, the Santissima Trinidad was the only technical four-decker ever in uh, in sailing ship history. So in the line of battle, three-decked ships with uh, three full gun decks, they were the most powerful ships on the seas. Um, for example, HMS Victory carried 100 cannons, um, most of the time at least. And then the Spanish would build some three-deckers <laughs> with 112 guns, eventually... The French built ones with 118, which is just monstrous. And then after Trafalgar, um, there weren't a lot of huge naval battles um, on that scale. 
Um, but the, the British did build some 120-gun behemoths. But the Santissima Trinidad was a four-decker with, you know, an arguable number of cannons. The cannon count ra ranges from 130 to 140, which is totally insane <laughs> and absurd. Um, but yeah, it was, it was crazy um, powerful, of course, but the Spanish crews on it weren't quite good enough to match the English, but... And yeah, this, your version reminds me of mine. I'll go over that one quick. Um, mine's probably more extreme, but it has the same ability yeah. of uh, the ship's cannons cannot be limited unless she sinks. Because with four decks of guns, you're going to be you're gonna be shooting for a while either way. So but yeah, mine's a rare from Age of, Pirates of the Age of Sail. Um, it's the same ship flavor-wise, um, but 28 points, five masts, seven cargo. Because <laughs> it's like the biggest ship, sailing ship ever, essentially. Um, or at least warship. Um, L movement, the guns are 2S, 1S, 2L, 1S, 2S, and uh, ship's can cannons cannot be eliminated unless she sinks, and then once per turn you may eliminate one of the ship's crew to give her an extra shoot action, so specifically shoot. So so that kind of, both abilities kind of tie into the firepower um, in terms of the cannons, but for 28 points it's still um, a pretty crazy ship. I think I might yeah. knock the cargo down to 6, because no 5 master has 7 cargo, so it might be but of course, the Santissima Trinidad. No, no other ship ever had four contiguous gun decks either. So, I guess yeah. it would be uh, a ship in its own class. So, yeah. But well, I, love I that. approached it along the lines of, um, yeah, there's four gun decks, but the guns take up a lot of space. There you go. You wouldn't have as much free cargo space. Yeah. And also for like the balance of the game, I didn't want to make it completely overpowering. Yeah, absolutely. Which <laughs> is totally what I did with my. Some of the yeah. flagship, at least of my historical set, not all the, most of the ships yeah. are OP, but anyway. But yeah, I love... They're powerful all the same. Yeah, I love the uh, the historical connections, of course, um, obviously for my, my big historical custom yeah. set. But, okay, so uh, I guess the last topic we'll do, um, I was going to talk about how Vassal is awesome. Uh, if you didn't know, the Vassal module is a way of playing over an online server. You can play Pirates <laughs> on it. Um, somebody named BJ created the module back in like 2010 or 11 and uh, kind of revived it. And now there's been a lot of games played on it. Um, Vassal campaign games 1, 2, and 3 have all been played on the module. We've completed two and a third one is kind of winding down. We'll talk about that in a second. But I just feel like Vassal is still underutilized and kind of underrated by the community because it, we can play with anybody anywhere in the world uh, online. Uh, you just have to figure out a time and... Uh, you know, a build total over, and then you can play with anybody. So, uh, played yeah. in Singapore. Uh, we started a game with somebody in Belgium. I mean, Xerox is in California. I'm in New York, so that's already three hours, which is, you know, not true. So, it's a heck of a time difference. Yeah, I know. We still figure it out. So, it's pretty a pretty awesome tool. So, I think anybody listening that likes to play should should check out Vassal no matter what, really. So, it's a really awesome tool. Yeah. And I think it's... The other thing that's great about it is um, you can... Enter the stats for the ships yep. uh, when you are setting the game up and everything. So that means uh, that you can use pretty much any ship from any expansion of any rarity on the module. Uh, you can uh, use ships that you don't have but are listed in the galley here on Mini Trading. Uh, you can use custom stuff, which is really cool, uh, in my opinion. Um, I will say that... Uh, it's still a little bit of work of a work in progress. I mean, we just recently added ten masters, yeah, uh, to Vassal, so we can have all those you know power build ten masters, and 
Yeah, we're, uh, I am actually thinking about trying to edit the module myself to add uh, sea creatures because I like the sea critters. Um, but yeah, so it's good. It's a good yeah. thing to have. As uh, Ben mentioned, you can um, play with anybody anywhere. Uh, just agree to uh, build totals and what time. Oh, and what, what else is good about it? Um, you don't actually have to get like clear off a table or a flat surface. Yeah, exactly. Get all the ships. Yeah. Worry about keeping track of mass damage. Yeah. Or damage because I know there are people who are collectors who still like to play. But don't like to take the masts out because yeah. they're worried about breaking the ships and still use sticky notes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you, don't have to worry about you can just press Control One and ooh, look, there goes mast number one. Yep, yeah, problem solved, yeah, taken care of. Yeah, there's no chance of breaking anything, which is great. So you don't have to worry about that. Well, unless you like rage quit and break your keyboard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> or your screen or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and then I know I like the custom aspect and how you can use anything even if it's not in your collection like like i don't know if i'm gonna pay you know 100 bucks for the rise of the fiends limited editions anytime soon but i can use any yeah. version of hms apollo that i want on the module which is great um and you can use you can eat it's very easy and convenient to test out custom ships whereas in real life you'd either have to proxy which in my opinion is pretty confusing because you see the ship and then you're like oh wait no that's something else or you have to make the ship physically which i haven't really done um xerx is great at that but it's yeah i've done that practice. for i think 98 percent of reprinted davy jones yeah there's like i think maybe i think like five things yeah. like five individual ships that need to be made um heck i made like a custom 10 master yeah exactly <laughs> but it's time consuming so the module is a great way to okay, test yeah. out customs um you know without having to do all that if you didn't want to and i'm not very hunting I'm not, for the duplicates yeah i'm not very an eye for like massive ebay lots that hopefully sell cheap yeah <laughs> i'm not very handy and crafty so i usually don't create my own customs um physically and then you also don't have to search for like a crew chip in like a bag like oh where's where's will turner you know <laughs> you just grab the chip <laughs> from the module so uh yeah and then and yeah future edits to the module will happen i'm thinking about one for a project we're working on along with, you know, new ship types, which would be great too. So, and of course I edited it for the world game for um, territories and like the, the artillery units and the risk pieces have come in quite handy for uh, economy edition actually. So that's been nice. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, and then that's a good segue. So uh, yeah, we're, we're kind of getting into the late with the late stages of Vassal campaign game three. Um, I control the Americans and they're, they've done well. They have been wicked lucky with the resources. I have to give credit to luck for the game to some extent. Um, luck of the die. Yeah, that has been a, a big uh, player um, in the game. Um, but I've still done really well strategy-wise and combat-wise too. Um, and I like... Um, I almost brought it up already, but then um, but then Vixen, um, as the French, spent all his gold. Um, so I didn't want to bring it up because it would be like weird timing. Um, the change I made in Command the Oceans is that at the beginning of every round of turns, you roll a die. Oh, and anybody that is not familiar, in Economy Edition rules, you basically roll a d6, and that determines resource value. So instead of gold, there's resources, and then um, based on the die rolls, they're worth like a certain amount for a certain number of turns. So you could have 
um, lumber be worth six gold for six turns, and then if the resource changes, um, you could have spices be worth six gold instead. But in uh, Vassal Campaign Game 3, it's been kind of a weird session of uh, sequence of die rolls where um, textiles and lumber have been very valuable for a very long time, and those are the two best resources that the cursed and Americans have, uh, which is the biggest reason they've, they've got the biggest fleets for the most part, at least. Um, so I, I did a change in Command of the Oceans, which made it a little more interesting with, uh, you roll a, a d6 at the beginning of each round of turns, and then if you get a 1, um, you roll the die again, and then if you, um, if you don't get a 1, nothing happens, um, but then if you roll a 1, the resources either change for that turn, or if you roll snake eyes, like two 1s in a row, you do a totally new roll and erase the current rolls for duration and value. So I think it's kind of an interesting way to change it up. Um, maybe we should have done that in CG3, but we could at least do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you and I probably could have gotten the hang of it pretty quickly. You had been doing it with uh, yeah. Command the Oceans, but all the other players, it was like their first ever campaign, I think. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure about um, uh, Pirate AJ14. Um, yeah. I don't know. I see, I, didn't he like... Or she posted some pictures of a battle report they did for an economy-style game. Yeah, they started but, one but couldn't finish it, which is understandable. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they finished another one a while ago that wasn't didn't have pictures, but I don't can't remember. But, but yeah, it was their first. It's their first campaign game, and not only that, but they're jumping right into it with economy edition rather than just a regular community game gold. So, yeah. So sorry. And and we pretty much agreed to use the economy edition rules to a T for the most part from the start with almost no house rules. So to implement, you know, a new, a really big resource rule, like midway through the game would be, you know, interesting. I don't know if it would have gone over well, but yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, so the Americans, um, they declared war on the French and cursed, and now they're fighting the French, um, near their home Island. Um, so I've had to mount to defense of the American home Island, but, it's gone pretty well so far. The French are basically throwing their remaining ships at the Americans. And then the Americans are fighting on two fronts because they also have a relatively large squadron or battle fleet um, up in the frozen north where they've backed the curse up against their home island and have been yeah. gradually wearing away at them. But as we saw in um, Vassal Campaign Game 1, it's, it's wicked, difficult, time-consuming, and a big stress on a fleet to eliminate a faction based at their home island. Because that's where all the resources are. That's where they launch from. So they can get new stuff like at the battlefield. They can go home to repair really quickly. And if they leave, also dock, got, they can't yeah. be shot at. So then you have to basically get like a ton of ships right there just to ram and like nothing else. And just hope you don't get ones to get pinned. So it's really a yeah. trying to eliminate a faction at their home island. I remember... Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, the Spanish... It's got, like, the best defense, essentially, which is that home island uh, cannot be shot at. Exactly. That yeah. is, like, the best defense in the entire game. You can still be rammed, but the other guy, the ramming ship could be pinned, and that's bad because they can't shoot their way out of it. Yep, exactly. And then, so, yeah, and then the ship stays docked and just shoots the other one derelict. So, I, I know the Spanish... Um, they basically eliminated the French almost in CG1, but then they had to just... They had to keep, like, half a dozen or more ships there for, like, turns on end. 
Like, yeah. and I was, it didn't help that I was the Spanish that we're dealing with the T pint, which is eternal, and then the Bonaparte, which can be shot at by ships with an S. So it was like even more extreme. Yeah. So, on top of that, Lenoir was on the Teppan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or T-Pin, so whichever. Oh, so God. you got in range to shoot it, and Lenoir would cancel your captain, and then you'd come in again to shoot it some more. And since their cancels were elsewhere, I think dealing with the pirates at that point, and or the Americans and cursed, it would just pop right back up at the home island. Yep. Yeah. So like you and have to, the oarsmen on board prevented it from being captured. Yeah, exactly. So you'd have to sink it, um, but then it would just start repairing again. So I had to. The Spanish basically had to divert like more than six ships to deal with like two pesky French ships. So. And it took a long time. The French were still the very faction eliminated, but they did really well fighting um, at their home island. So it was, and it really taught me even more. So, I mean, I, I already knew that to some extent for my campaign games, but that was probably the most extreme I've seen along with eliminating the pirates in that game. Uh, as yeah, well. The mobilists in that particular yeah. campaign. Yeah. So and the, the pirates performed admirably, I guess you could say. Yeah, and then the kept them alive long enough to potentially stage a late game comeback with gold capturing people. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, was, was it the Grand River or like the Grand Temple? I can't remember which one was left. Uh, it was the Grand River. Uh, your first uh, Jade Custom Six Master. Yeah. With a S plus S base move, um, across the board rank three cannons, uh, five cargo, and the ability of the Darkhawk two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On board, however, I think. Okay, no, I think the Grand River was mostly empty, but what it was was the pirates at the end launched uh, the DJC Harbinger with Blackbeard aboard it. So as a way to, okay, we couldn't get coins, so we'll go and get your crew and turn them into um, gold to launch ships with. That got put down pretty quickly, even though... Um, <laughs> Um, before they got completely destroyed, um, I think they managed to capture one, if not two, uh, tribal chieftains that were hanging around the um, pirate home island on Spanish ships, which would have been 18 gold if the Harbinger had gotten them home. Oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah, the Spanish had to, like, overrun their home island to try to, like, block their trade routes and stuff. So, yeah. I still think, um, at least for games I've played, you can talk about your physical campaigns, but for games I've played, the Spanish in that game are still the most dominant, like, single faction in a single game. Um, I think the Americans are, like, kind of contesting that in CG3, but the competition was in CG1, um, just because the Spanish weren't, I don't, I feel like the Spanish weren't really, I feel like they were the favorite, but not the clear winner. For like almost the whole game, because even at the end, they had like a huge contest from the English who put forth like a oh yeah, fleet. so yeah, Americans, I remember Americans, that. Yeah, the Americans have had a point lead um, since they beat the French at the Gateway Island, and they haven't come close to relinquishing it. So they're more of a clear, clear winner. You know, I hope so, <laughs> but they're more of a clear yeah. winner than uh, the Spanish were. But the Spanish, they just overcame everything to win. It's just such a dominant like. Ex, you know, excessive game. So, and I know they they had every declaration of war in that game too, which is a lot. So. Yeah, with them as the offender. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Going on the offense. Yep. Um, yeah. 
I guess oh, yeah. you could say the American performance right now is making up for their yeah, the dismal showing in CG1. Yeah, pitiful performance in CG1, not CG3, making up for it, yeah. Uh, yeah, and the Spanish, I just realized Pirate AJ-14, the way he played the Spanish aggressively in CG3 is almost like a continuation of CG1, but without the success, <laughs> kind of. Like, yeah. he, he did well at first, and he was, like, really aggressive, but then... Uh, yeah, the resource rolls. Yeah. Because I remember, like, the first 12 turns of the game... All the islands on uh, on the western side of the ocean, on the western side of the Great Barrier, uh, they were all medals, yep. and medals were worth five or six gold. Yep, absolutely. So the uh, French, the Spanish, not so much the English, got got lots of valuable stuff right at the beginning, which gave them spending power to put forth things, whatever. Excuse me. And uh, I recall that at one point the Spanish, they had the San Cristobal and I think the El Cruzado, the uh, better one. Yeah. And they got uh, knocked out of the game pretty much as a, um, at the Gateway Island uh, with an American attack and the French forming up a battle fleet to come and uh, avenge or continue the war that happened with them earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically the Spanish... Um, I think it was La, La Resolution sank the Bon Chance, and then the French... Yeah, the first sink of the game. Yeah, the French built up for a while with good launches, and then they, <laughs> they went off for retaliation. Sailed north, yeah. Yeah, they got revenge on the Spanish. And then... Uh, but and then, then when the resources changed to favor um, those of us on the eastern side of the ocean... Yeah. So mm-hmm. the Americans, the cursed, and... Um, the pirates. Not the pirates, pirates, oddly. Yeah, not because quite Because they much, had, yeah. like, um, something that was viable for a western side of the ocean resource. Yeah. So that forced them to go uh, north to get it from um, the islands that had it. Yeah. And to go around the American fleet, which was, which rapidly grew. Yeah. Those yeah, canoes. The, yeah, when the French knocked out the spin, well, they didn't eliminate them right away. I had to take them out uh, at the, like, later on, because they had a few stragglers in the west. But, um. But yeah, when the French yeah, that's, that's uh, military port. Yeah, when the French um, when they <laughs> ma- they took they took out most of the Spanish fleet, but that left them um, somewhat vulnerable to an American attack, which I had been kind of planning, but I wasn't totally certain on it. But then um, I started looking at the ranges, and then I realized it was definitely the right thing to do. So I had to strike then. So, and I'll talk about this more once the game is over. But like, I was originally gonna be more laid back, but um, especially with four new campaign game players, but then Pirate AJ 14 started like aggressive out of the gate, and then I was... Yeah, he almost to... single-handedly eliminated the English. Yeah. And they still recovered from that. They've got one ship. I know, they still have the Aberdeen Baron, but I was afraid the Spanish were going to build a military port on the Gateway Island and use the good resource rolls to go east and take out the Americans. That's why I went aggressive earlier than I was planning, which I'll talk about once the game ends, but, but yeah, that was kind of an yeah. interesting way, because Pirate G14 kind of, his Spanish kind of... I think took us all by surprise a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And then that, it was, it's basically it was a domino effect, which I talked about in one of the reports, because the Spanish and the French were the wealthiest early on, but the Spanish sank one French ship, which probably wasn't the best, like, political move. Yeah, and triggered that whole conflict that yeah, eventually exactly. led to... Yeah, the, the French... Probably going to be the elimination of both factions. Yeah, the, the French got revenge and took out the Spanish, but the Spanish were taking out the English, so it's kind of like the Spanish took out the English, and then 
to follow the domino chain, the French took out the Spanish, and then the Americans took out the French. So it's like well, they haven't done that quite yet. There's still that yeah. massive squad. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, no, I know. I'm it's just saying, like, whirlpool. I know. I'm saying, like, when they took control of the game, the Americans hit the French hard at, near yeah. the Gateway Island, and then from there they've been taking off. So, And then the Cursed and the Pirates are, like, the wild cards <laughs> that have been... Um, more passive. Yeah, I've actually been, yeah, I've been passive, I think, too much. Because mm-hmm. I didn't want to, like, insta-kill any of the new people. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I was and still yeah. am, like, very wary of the Americans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it was Jones got a six oh, and yeah. made New Orleans uh, sink a captured French five-master. Yeah, it was the Hoya del Sol and the Sol del Royal, maybe? I don't know. Or one of those. It was one of the two. Yeah, I think it was the Hoya, because I remember that ship being gone. And then I still had yeah. this curb, but yeah. And then that triggered, so yeah, Davy Jones... Um, yeah, that triggered the raid where you captured yeah. Jones. Yeah, basically I had, um, for anybody listening... And, like, that was, like, like really it. Yeah, it was a really risky move where I had um, the Bonham Richard and the Grampus, both with tribal chieftains and Captain Helmsman. Um, they were basically the chieftain ships, and kind of like, they were meant to be defensive gunships, but I had them just barely within range of um, the Slipknot, which is a custom uh, ship, cursed, the cursed custom that Zarek's made, where Davy Jones was being, uh, where he was on board, and uh, so then I did like a sudden raid with just those two, but I did it because the Slipknot wasn't, uh, I didn't see her being well defended, so I was like, you know what, maybe I can get Davy Jones right here, and it managed to pay off, but I, I lost the Grampus, which worked out okay. I was willing to lose at least one, if not both of those ships, if I could um, if that meant that Davy Jones would not be rolling more sixes, because with all the ten masters in my fleet, um, if they fired at each other with a six, that'd be really bad. Because like yeah, I'd be yeah. losing like tens of points based on like a one six roll or something like that, which happened in CG two, um, which is one of the reasons I wanted to take out the pirates because of Emperor Blackheart in CG. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was another game. So. Uh, well, you could say that you've still lost tens of points because of the most recent action there mm-hmm. with uh, the L-movers uh, moving the oh, bottom yeah. onto a reef. Yeah, that one I was Which totally... only had two masts left. Yeah, that one I was totally willing to do because um, the Fortaleza, I don't know, the way I used her in CG2, um, I kind of see her as like a kind of an, an inferior 10-master that's more like disposable. And then I yeah. did have a, I had a better crew set up in uh, this game. I had uh, Count Gustav with Thane Heartless for extra action reroll, along with the regular, you know, crew. Um, but I still thought of her as like not as important as the Bauchuan or the Zanfu because the Bauchuan is sixty points. I had her fully crewed, um, and then the Zanfu has Nemo with Sack, which is like really devastating um, on a ten master. Um, so basically, the Fortaleza was the one I could afford to lose, and I I wanted to take out. Um, I wanted to, you know, I just kind of wanted to start things going again because I was, I was planning to attack anyway. So then I decided to just take a risk and use the bow chasers across the reefs, which I think is kind of a fun concept. Um, but then I got dragged. Yeah, basically, um, Xerxes curses you have used the L movers to really good effect in CG3 because the Fortaleza was dragged onto a reef and then sunk, and then uh, the Bautron was recently wrecked. But but now they've launched this Shuijian, so. So I suppose you, if you've got, like, one of your custom jades or just a jade ship that was expensive enough to begin with from somewhere, you could probably pull the crew off the Baohuan or Baohuan. Um, you yeah, don't know what you would say, Jung-Yi, but yeah. all the others should still be viable 
Yeah. If you can get the puppet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought about that. I don't know if I should divulge that, but I guess it doesn't really matter too much. Um, but yeah, the sea. What's it called? Not tiger. Uh, oh, tiger's breath. That's why I'm thinking of tiger. Tiger's breath is headed there. She's got like a medical barge type crew set up with shipwrights, but. But yeah, I might still try to do that. The other random thing is the Boutron is really loaded because she has some like resources too from the Sea Monkey. Yeah. So. Reminds <laughs> me of him uh, when the Boutron wrecked in my first uh, Century uh, Vampire game. Exactly. And it was, again, it was because... Actually, no. It wasn't because of an L mover. It was because someone used Lost and put a reef under it. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> And then, um, in that particular game, I was trying to upgrade islands with, um, like, colonies and whatnot. So I had all the gold to, like, slowly upgrade, like, the thing, like, okay, one turn, level one, next turn, level two, next turn, so on and so forth. I had gotten to, like, level three, and it was still docked at the island, and then someone put a reef under it. And it just became, uh... I got, I got really mad. Yeah, it was a disaster. Yep. I would yeah, get mad. I think in the battle report I did for that, I used bold in capitals, and I used the word livid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep. I understand that. Yeah, that's one thing um, I've been, I've done well so far in the campaign games, so I think you have better, like, sportsmanship than me, because I get, like, I get, like, really annoyed. <laughs> but, but one thing, um, one thing... What was I going to say? Oh, about, like, I got the Ten Master Bouchuan was wrecked recently in CG3. The Americans, uh, I've kind of told myself since the beginning of this war with the curse that I was going to lose a lot since you're using a lot of powerful customs and you had, like, four cancelers in play and stuff like that. So I kind of went into it realizing, like, you know, I'm going to go crazy with this attack when it first started, but I'm going to lose, like, a lot of stuff. So that's just kind of the nature of war in the campaign games. And the Spanish, I mean, when the Spanish finished up CG1, I don't know if their fleet had more than, like, two or 300 points in it. They were spent from their fleet with the English, yeah. I think the Americans will have a lot more in CG3, but it's more, it's more lopsided than that. And that's part of the reason I think CG1 is the best vassal CG yet, um, because it had six factions, and they all, other than the Americans, they all had, like, their moments to shine, and, like, they all yeah. had, like, big fleets at some point or another. Yeah, there's still, like, a big what-if, I keep saying. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah. at one point, the pirates had a fleet poised to strike the Spanish home island. Absolutely, yep. I mean, they were, like, within 3S. Yep. Like, the lead gunship was in 3S, mm-hmm. but... A lot of them, I I got messed up on rulings and whatnot because mm-hmm. yeah. I had the Devil's Maw in play, but like three or four of the leading gunships for that attack were sack based for extra actions, mm-hmm. and so I got uh, mixed up. I thought that because the Devil's Maw was in play, mm-hmm. it would save the crew, yeah. and because um, for sack to work, it has to be completely eliminated. I thought for like a turn or two that. Because the Devil's Maw was there, I wouldn't be able to get my sack actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I turned the ships around to put, like, you know, same action twice, extra action, crew on them, and refit the gun, uh, gunships. But by the time I turned them all around to come back home, like, the Spanish launched their home defense fleet. Yep, yeah, I was up to so, it. I know. I kind of saw that threat growing, but the reason I didn't launch sooner was because I was already devoting a lot of, um, like, 
not resources, like economy, but like I was devoting a lot of ships and crew, like points, uh, against the French and Americans and, uh, and the pirate gunships were kind of spread out. So I didn't know if the attack was going to be imminent or not. And then, uh, but then, yeah, once I went to that home defense fleet, it was, it would be tough to do a raid. So, and then the Spanish just went West anyway to attack. So, yeah, but CG1 yeah, had so much like, parody and it had a lot of, it just had so many great moments. Like the Spanish did dominate, but it was in more of a, I don't know, it was a, it was a really fun game. Still, I don't know if it's my favorite campaign game. I know Command <laughs> is more epic for the most part and obviously way more aesthetic. I, I understand that, but, um, but for gameplay purely, I think CG1 is still possibly my favorite, um, partly because CG1, or not CG1, CTO, Command the Ocean's my physical campaign game from last fall, that had too many cons for me because it's just just like on the floor all the time. It's like it's like painful. Yeah, That's another thing about um, Vassal is you can just sit in your chair and look at your screen. It's so easy compared to like a yeah. game where you have to like get up and move around and like the ships get knocked over and like, uh, yeah. It's harder to undo, I guess, in like a regular game. Yeah. <laughs> but in Vassal, you have an yeah. undo button to just. Literally, you have a Control Z or the undo function in the upper corner. I don't know if I mentioned this anywhere, but like just this past summer with my annual um, COEC game, I like hurt my back bending over like the table. So, like, okay, this ship goes L, then it goes S. So, I would like move it, and then I'd like stand back up to stretch my back out and just like. <laughs> like stand there for a second like going like oh my back yeah. <laughs> like i gave myself back spasms or something it was like Ugh. yeah i think i did see that i think i said something about it um yeah and i've had similar for me it's mostly just like the crouched like position where i'm um i'm not like my back and my legs aren't like straight like the opposite of like standing up so it's like really hunched over and like yeah, um, it just gets annoying after a while. So, and then yeah, I haven't had that issue since the 2015 yeah. uh, Empires game, which um, that's a good thing. I don't know if that still holds the. Is that considered for a record for the largest physical map? I don't I know. Believe so yeah, I haven't broken it. I don't think so. And it was special. Well, Command the Oceans maybe, but that was spread across three different. Yeah, oceans. I don't think that was even bigger. I don't think, but I'd have to, we'd have to look at it again. So yeah. I think yeah. CTO was around 42 square feet, but I'd have to look at it again. So, yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, I you've think been... My Century of Empire is one of the sides of that ocean, I think, was um, somewhere around 20 feet on one side and then, or 12 feet or something like that. I don't know. It was in, like, um, this room in our house that's, like, that's like a converted garage. Yeah. And... But it was like an irregular map because it wrapped around furniture and stuff. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, but my old campaign games from before I started taking pictures, a couple of them, especially the 2011 game, they had some weird maps with because I just used the room or the floor of my room, so it wasn't like confined to a rectangle or square, so it's kind of random. But anyway, yeah. Now I'm gonna do like a quick research and see if I can find. Yeah, kind of what those dimensions were. I think it was. I think it's in the last page of the battle report somewhere. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, I forgot what else I was gonna say. But but yeah, playing campaign games, I'm gonna shift to mostly Vassal because it is it is a physical strain to play physical ones, and the time the time and space constraints are really uh, pretty dramatic to the point where they're like crippling basically. So. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. okay. I, found I found those, uh, dimensions. Yeah. Um, my, my words, words in the report, in the report were, or are, 
Exact measurements are a little difficult to figure, but the map was an imperfect rectangular shape that, at its longest, was slightly more than 16 feet, and at its widest was slightly more than 8 feet. These are rough measurements made by me well after the game has ended and only measuring two sides, and not taking into account how the map wrapped around furniture and other obstacles. So, uh, assuming the other sides were roughly the same... Uh, I'll do that math later. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, feel like doing math yeah, on it was, air in my head. Yeah, it was. I'm getting my calculator up. It says eight times sixteen is one twenty-eight with um just for pure, you know, rectangle length. So, yeah, yeah. That was a fun one. That was like the first big game. Yeah, I love that. I did that. I recorded. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that I, battle report. It's still one of my favorites. I think that one and the Winter Economy Edition game are my two favorites in terms of most memorable oh, for you. Oh, that winter economy game, that one, that's gone down an inch for me. Yeah, of course. All right, because I, I went back and asked my brothers about that. Okay, who do you guys think won? Um, I think I declared the Spanish the winner of that game. However, one of my brothers said that not only was there gold on a ship that he didn't give a move action to put it home, but when he counted the gold for the French, there was gold under their HI that he forgot about. Uh, and he says he put the gold under his HI so that it could not be home island robbed. Wow, that's cheating, though. <laughs> yeah, I know, but he looked at me and said, I was like, you know, uh, I was younger. <laughs> I wasn't like a good sport, so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So the winner of that game, um, at this point, I could just do a coin flip between Spain or France yeah. Uh, it wasn't the English, which was me. I got eliminated by everybody at the end. Yeah. I mean, like, literally everyone was, okay, except the Americans. But um, but all, all the same, I didn't win that one. The Americans, well, actually, wait, I'm thinking about the one, because that was in the regular Battle Reports thread somewhere uh, in there. Um. I think somehow, actually, no, I don't, I don't think I did get last. Yeah. If I remember I think, what I did. Yeah, I think you were second to last, oh. I think. Yeah, that sounds familiar to me. I got third, somehow. Yeah. Well, it's because of the victory conditions. Um, yeah, the victory conditions, I think, were first place went to most gold, second place went to most ships, uh, third place went to most gold, discounting the first two, and, you know, fourth was whoever was left. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where we differ too, like philosophically in terms of the the campaigns. Because I like to play either um, Last Fleet Afloat, which the like CG one and CG three, or if not, if you can't finish the game, I like to do Points in Play, um, which is by far my favorite. Um, you know, artificial win condition, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I always and I think I'm checking right now. But I'm yeah, I can consider the French the winners of that game because because uh, you said they had like if he had given a move action to that ship, I don't think it was the Fitu, but whatever it was, um, it was a hoist. It was the Fitu. Okay, exactly. So if he had, if given I remember that, correctly, it was the Fitu. Yeah, so if he had given that another move action, they would have beaten the Spanish by a few gold or whatever. So, but the other but the Spanish was, technically won that game by ten gold. Yeah. It's, uh, Technically, but, they won it by 10 gold, and the feet you had, like, 30 gold on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but the other thing was that the Spanish didn't, like, 
get involved in combat at all. So the French would have won, even though they were like at war, like all all over the place. Yeah. Like, I just the Americans and the English. Yeah, I just I don't I really don't like giving such a close win to the to the super passive faction because if the Spanish were at war at all, they probably would have had interference that would have made them lose by you know a lot more than you know twenty gold or whatever. So so I still consider that a French victory basically, and that's how I recorded it in the huge game legacy. But yeah, it's definitely an well, infamous ending. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Kind of like it's the, certainly memorable. Yeah, like my uh, my twenty, my the first five hundred point game I played, which was a you know a five hundred point build total rather than um, than a campaign game with new launches in the game. But um, but at the end of that game, um, the Spanish had the Concepcion, um, two of them actually, because I had duplicates allowed. Um, that's a good, well, not great, but a decent Spanish like galleon type ship with plus two gold ability. But then. Um, the Cursed used Davy Jones on the Divine Dragon to sink both of them, and then the Pirates won as a result, <laughs> so it was a pretty funny ending. But then I kind of left that open-ended as to whether or not the Pirates kind of recruited the Cursed at the end, but it was really just Davy Jones wanting to cause as much chaos as possible, so he would want to go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. So the Pirates, he kind of, the Cursed kind of enabled the Pirates to beat the Spanish, which is kind of an infamous, another infamous yeah. ending, so... <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the end of that um, um that uh, winter economy game. The Spanish had two thousand five hundred and seventy three gold. <laughs> That's crazy. And then the French had nine less. Yeah. Um, which with two thousand five hundred and sixty four. Um, I as the English got third place with five hundred and fifty one, and the Americans um took last. Um, these victory conditions for this were flip flopped. Uh, uh, um, actually. Yeah. From the Century of Empires game, which was I like first place went to uh, most ships afloat, yeah. second to most gold. Yeah, I like that better. It, uh, uh, so it incentivizes with, fleet building more because with the yeah. with the gold you can just like run gold the whole time and not bother launching. But like, I mean, if I had twenty five hundred gold, I would launch a huge battle fleet and just win that way. You know, like I would just win by eliminating yeah. because that's how. But that's how I play because I never I never like to use most gold. Um, as the win condition for campaign games, so that's kind of where we differ. Yeah, on that. but I do. Most ships in play is still a solid <laughs> metric, though. If you can't go to a last fleet afloat, so yeah. yeah. Although this particular game, I think the tables we used for it um, combined were like ten feet or something, so it was a small ocean. Yeah, and the French had sixty ships uh-huh. in that game. Yeah, so they had completely dominated um and the spanish actually did launch gunships yeah uh, but they used them against me <laughs> um, also that was um the campaign where we introduced our friend yeah um yeah because he was a spanish but he was passive yeah he played the spanish and uh he wasn't so much passive so much as the three of us decided okay it's his first game kind of ever yeah I mean, I don't. Th- he played like you know death matches against us, but nothing to do with gold, let alone resources. Yeah. So we, the three of us, kind of decided to like, okay, let's not kill him. Let's kill each other instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was another thing that got into it. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first game I used uh, the storms too. Oh God. Oh, and this also. Yeah. They, That's the only the other thing. That's like the main reason uh-huh. I didn't like that game report as much, along with the Spanish like weird win. So yeah, 
it's still memorable though. Like there's so many. Uh, just I love how that game looked too. The oceans. I thought it looks really great <laughs> compared Thanks. to the last couple of COE games. So which still yeah, I saw. I had the um, um. That was the game where I first introduced the portals. Yeah. The beta version of the Blood Islands were used in this game. Yeah. Like, not even, like, the alpha, but, like, the whatever comes before that, like, the pre-pre-pre thing. I think back then they had, like, you know, it was just, like, a set ability for them. They didn't each have different abilities. They each had, like, one overarching ability. But I expanded upon them to come back later for Fiends of the Blood Islands. Uh, but, so, yeah, that, um, the Winter Economy game, yeesh. I've wanted to play another campaign in that same room um, where the that and uh, COE were played. Yeah. The the room where I've played um, the COEC games, the Century of Economy games, which is a little bit of both. The light isn't as good in that room. Yeah. Um, but it's easier to set up a table in that room. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. That's why we've done it there. Yeah, I don't have space in my house or. A quantity of tables enough to uh to do a campaign game only on tables but the table i used for the experimental cumulative game and the caribbean from command the oceans is like three by three it's just a basic card <laughs> table but it works pretty good so i definitely want to have like a big room for campaign games only in a future you know residence <laughs> but that's a long way yeah out, so, yeah yeah with luck um i'll be able to hopefully uh, get back to that um, room from the 2015 Century of, of Empires yeah. and the Winter Game because the light is so much better in there. There's like three skylights in that room. Nice, yeah, that'd be that awesome. Just let the light come in, and I've got a significantly better camera now than I did in 2015. Yeah, good point. And leading up to that, so yeah, I was speaking. I really, I'm, I really want to. Get back in there. Yeah. Speaking of which, do, do you think uh, the 2017 campaign will continue or no? I don't know. Um, at this point, um, the one that campaign we started in, I think, geez, I think it was almost a year ago. Yeah, I think so. That particular game, uh, originally we were just going to meet once a month and like take over our kitchen table for that. Um However, um, between my two brothers both having a ton of uh, extracurricular activities, mostly centered around marching band, and myself uh, finishing up um, like the first phase of uh, my college education and all that stuff, uh, and just you know, being so busy with literally everything else, that that game has kind of fallen by the wayside. Um, I think if we invited him to play an, another campaign game with us, I think he'd agree. Um, but the trick is, once again, going to be timing and everything, because the, this summer, uh, my one brother graduates high school, so he's probably going to look to uh, either get a job or go straight into college in the summer. And then my other brother is going from middle school to high school, and he wants to uh, all kinds of extracurricular band stuff and whatnot and whatnot. Yeah. So he's going to be maybe doing summer school. Uh-huh. And, um, I am hopefully going to be, um, taking just a wee bit of time off. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, uh, and I'll probably be looking to get back involved with college stuff, uh, spring of 2019. Uh-huh. 
But uh, between now and then, there's a whole bunch of things that I have um, planned. Um, So I don't even know if the annual COEC game will even get played. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's three years running now, so that's pretty impressive. Yeah, three years running of a campaign in the summer. Yeah, that's really cool. I've never been and, able to be that consistent, but um, <laughs> but I've more since I started in 2011, which is feels like a long time ago at this point. But I like how yeah. consistent the Vassal games have been, because uh, we did t- two in 2016, then one in 2017, and then, you know, hopefully we'll start another one this year. So Yeah, hopefully we will. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you want to talk I mean, about your project. Oh, yeah, the, the, uh, the SS, um, as I've called the Room Project. All right, um... I'm not sure when we're going to be able to get this uh, podcast um, like posted to the site or all the other um, uh, other sites. Yeah, should be. But, um, yeah, I'll give you um, this little uh, teaser about it. Um, uh, SS stands for is like really really shorthand for Pirates of the Savage Seas. Um, it's a campaign game. I have started it. So, what you were just talking about, starting in the, uh, another campaign on Vassal. Been there, done that. Um, and I'm going to have a video up about it on my channel um, a week from when we get this podcast up. That'll go into it um, a bit more, reveal what it's all about, um, rules, maybe. I might post um, on the forum here at Mini Trading for the rules and uh, whatnot about that. But I think it's going to be uh, quite interesting. I don't think anyone, I think it's going to be unlike anything anyone's attempted yet. Um, I'm kind of hoping it is. I'm hoping I'm not biting off more than I can chew and that I can deliver on my end about what I want to have happen. Um, Because I've got, like I said, I've got all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, there's the SS, there's this project I'm doing. Um, there's still CG3 to wrap up. There's our other plans. Um, there's the fleet challenge, the review contest. Oh yeah. Life in general. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's what happened to command the oceans after like October ended. It got kind of stressful and it kind of hit my other life stuff. Cause I thought it was going to end by the end of Thanksgiving, but then to do what I wanted with it, I had to I had to extend until December 15th or something, so it got yeah. pretty extreme. So. But the, that's the thing with Vassal. You can, that's one of the other huge pros, is that you can have an endless game. So that's yeah. what we will Since it's not, not taking up any physical, physical yeah. space, like in your house on a table or yeah. an extremely large flat surface, yeah. you can just save the file. Exactly. It's like, yeah. okay, I'll come back to this in uh, a day or three or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No fuss, no mess, or no mess, or whatever it is. Exactly. And then you don't have to stress yeah. out about, like, freeing up space in the room or putting stuff away. Uh, yeah, I love Vassal so much, especially for campaigns. It's just perfect. So, yeah, that's like a tool <laughs> we hope to utilize uh, in the future. So, and yeah, to that point, <clears throat> um, CG3 is kind of wrapping up. Um, I don't think it'll finish before some day in April, but... We'll see. Um, or probably later, if I had to guess, because you always underestimate this sort of thing. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, the first yeah, might be able to keep themselves alive by fog hop- hopping all over the map with uh, yeah. the hangman's joke and the howl. Yeah, exactly. And maybe the sea hag. Yeah, 
and it'll uh, take although a while. she might stay there to support the fort. Yeah, and even if the Americans go after everybody, um, it takes a long time to eliminate factions, of course, especially with the yeah. whole so. Um, but yeah, to that point, though, CG3 will end. So, um, so I'll probably tenant, I don't know for sure, but I might put out a feeler thread or bring up the old one about starting another campaign game because people might still be interested. Um, I think one of the themes of CG3 is that there's some untapped potential from the newer players because um, I feel like Vixen is Shikoda 66 is the only one who really, um, I don't know, who like did a lot in CG3 because the Spanish were eliminated already and the English and Pirates have been mostly out of it for most of the game. So we have basically half of the six players um, haven't really gotten that campaign game epic experience, um, at least on their own you know, side of it. So, so I think another campaign game after CG3 makes sense, um, but we'll see what happens. So anyway. Yeah. But yeah. And then Derek's going to have our own plans, but I don't know. Oh, yeah. They're going to work out. So We've got we'll see. cloak and dagger going on a little oh, yeah. bit almost. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, and then I'm looking at the uh, the spreadsheet. Um, we have a spreadsheet for various things, but one of them I made an extra sheet for campaign game results. So I combine all the results of recorded campaign games between Zerix and I. There's been 14 pretty much so far. Or, well, this includes huge games. So this is basically a huge game legacy thread in a nutshell in a spreadsheet. And the pictures are on that, are in that thread. But um, so basically the English have won five. Um, the French have won three, the Spanish have won one, the Pirates three, and the Americans one, um, and the Curse zero, and then other, you know, con- conglomerate factions is a good way to describe it. I just thought of that uh, term. Um, they haven't won any, but that's kind of a random one. So the English, the French, and the Pirates are generally um, the best factions for campaign games. The Spanish are pretty good, but they have a weird penchant for being runner-up. They've finished second, like, four times. Um, and then the French usually either do really bad or really good, (laughs) um, as evidenced by your games and mine. Um, and then the pirates are generally pretty good. They haven't won in a while, but the pirates are, they're obviously still a great faction. So the English are really dominant in the wars, which are pretty emphasized in the CGs. So, so yeah, anyway, there's a lot more to say, but we also, uh, plan to do, Sometime, hopefully this year, uh, we want to do a YouTube collaboration where we talk more in depth about campaign games, like solely campaign games, nothing else, and maybe go over more of ours in detail and, you know, talk about strategy and setup and uh, memorable moments and things like that. So hopefully we'll make that video eventually. But anyway, yeah, probably wrap it up here. And you date your campaign history to like 2011 as the year began, more or less. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So I'm looking at the Venema campaign spreadsheet thing you've got here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I'm not positive, but I think I may have played something that qualifies as a campaign like a year or two before then. Yeah. I'm yeah. not positive. Because I remember... Yeah. When did you... Hang on a sec. Let's see, when did you start the Battle Reports thread? Uh, so, well, Pojo was 2011, but miniature trading was 2013 for Century of the Empires. So. Okay. So, okay, then then it may have been later than I thought. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, before 2011, I basically played, like, historical fantasy scenarios, which are just, like, a fun thing. They're, it's not pirate CSG, it's just a fun thing with the ships, so... But it's pretty epic and cool, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, because I had one that was, um... We spent the gold we gathered, um... And it was our own personal ships. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had discovered the forum, but I wasn't a member yet. Yeah. Because I think I lurked on the forum for oh, maybe half a year or a couple months before I joined. Yeah, it's about what I did. Mm-hmm. And so I think I did this not. Oh, I mean. This I'm having trouble remembering about this one, yeah. except that in the end, we literally we cycled through all the ships we had, which at that point I think totaled to somewhere between the three of us we had maybe sixty ships, yeah, ish, and I had like three left, um, and like one of them was like one that we had put back together with spare pieces, uh, and I think it was the HMS Saint George. Okay. was, like, my biggest ship at the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. The, the one from um, Rise of the Fiends. Yeah. And I think I had um, the English catamaran and a couple other things. Yeah, because um, yeah, I must have discovered the forum when I played this. Because uh, we used uh, George Washington LeBeau from RSS. Yeah. Um, and we had, like, there was for a while there, it was like, okay, who could, you know... Because um, since he was a crew, he could be launched by any one of us. Oh, yeah. Like, first come, first serve on the crew. Mm-hmm. So, first, one of my brothers had him, and then he died somehow, I think. Yeah. And then my other brother had him, and then I went out of my way to kill him so I could get him. Yeah. And it wound up that I had him on a ship. And, like, they were, like, my brothers both teamed up to try to stop me. Oh. Uh, but I think I somehow did something where I pulled together and got a victory. Nice. And <laughs> this like shows like um, my serious misunderstanding of the rules at the time. Huh. I was playing under the assumption that you could only give one ship an action oh, per turn. I've had some issues with teaching newbies. They they they're surprised that that's not the case. So yeah, yeah. Because there was a good like two or three years where I played games that way. Yeah, it's like only one ship can be given an action. Yeah. Which made those uh, fleet admiral crew? Because um, I think I misread the ability of those fleet admiral oh, crews. Like yeah. you make two ships in action. It was like oh. ooh, two ships in action. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> or something. So yeah, that was that like the first ever campaign that I played. Yeah, that would and make, that would make those go so slow. What year? I yeah, that would make it go so slow because you have one action and then next player and then one action. <laughs> Because you wouldn't be able to take like breaks in between players' turns and stuff. Because your turn would yeah. be right up right after that. That'd be crazy. Huh. Yeah, I've had some So, issues. based on the fact that we used um, LeBeau in there, in there, and that I joined the forum on. What day is it? It's on my profile somewhere. Hmm. Oh, yeah, uh, it's like May 2014. I remember seeing it. So. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure if I lurked for a year or less mm-hmm. before I joined, yeah. but I had discovered the forums. I wasn't a member, but I was reading stuff. I think I may have read like the first 
I think at that point, Battle Reports had like maybe three pages. Yeah. And they that all that century of uh, Empire stuff. Yep. So I might have um, played my game based off that mm-hmm. or so I don't remember. Yeah. But that's like, I have like semi fond memories of that because yeah. I don't remember a whole lot of it, but it was like exactly. the first one I ever did. Exactly. So that's yeah. exactly the case with me with that 2011 cumulative game um, that I didn't have a battle report for until 2014 when I'm, when I finally wrote it up and I'm glad I did because uh, <laughs> I probably wouldn't remember really as much today as I did in 2014. So I'm glad I wrote that up. Um, it's actually become probably my most nostalgic game, but also one of my favorite battle reports at the same time. So yeah, I definitely feel that feel you on that. Uh, just as yeah. a random aside, Wolf did just respond in the rules thread a few minutes ago. Oh, awesome. And he did, he confirmed what was already basically in the pirate code, but he says, uh, fire only spreads to other masks, not empty slots. So if there are none left, then you roll for the fire to spread. Nothing happens. So kind of just a rule I disagree with, but oh well. <clears throat> I guess flavor-wise, as I said in my post, you can kind of think of it as like if there's not another mass to consume by the fire, it just doesn't really spread to that part of the ship, but I, I don't know, but the deck's going to be wood too, so it's kind of eh, it's kind of weird, but oh well. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, that's pretty much all I gotta say about campaigns for this one. Hopefully we'll do a YouTube video about it later on. Yeah, uh, yeah. maybe we'll uh, do something where we record on Vassal or something. Yeah, yeah. Any other thoughts on CGs or customs or anything? Um, not off the top of my head right now. Yeah, cool. I I don't keep uh, much as detailed records as you do. Yeah. So, like, my win, win percentages or, like, whatever and whatnot, I don't really keep track of that so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we could, but, yeah, we could determine, um, yeah, from it, some of that from the battle reports, but, but yeah, you won the, you won the 2015 COE and then you won one of the last two COECs, right? Yeah, the most recent century of economy. Yeah, yeah with the English. Or the yeah. English one, and we finally... Nice. Played one where a faction got eliminated. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. My brother is still salty about that. Oh, yeah. Because I was the English and I think the French. He was the pirates and uh, I think the Americans or something. Or I don't. I might be getting it mixed up with another one. But he, um, it was the pirates that got eliminated. Yeah. And now he like completely hates the pirates because <laughs> it, he says it's like. They're useless. Oh, yeah. It's they couldn't ball, right? stop the English. Yeah. But yeah, then again, to be fair, I came at him with, like, the entire English fleet. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I never want to blame my boss on a faction. So. Especially after winning um, CG2 with the English and then doing well with the American CG3 now. So I can understand the curse to have a bit of a handicap, but customs make up yeah. somewhat. So. And speaking of which, though, should, your brother is on, uh, on Vassal course so as I'll, I'll say again and again <laughs> and then uh you should have well, one of them's on the on the site on the um, yeah on, on mini trading yeah he hasn't posted again yet but maybe you could show him the podcast this one episode two and then they'd be more motivated i might show it to him yeah yeah you should check let him check it out so all right so this was an episode um mostly about customs and campaign games hopefully we'll have god mason back for the next one um another random episode and then eventually uh, Frozen North set review, I guess, is next as well. So this was episode 17, though, of the Pirate CSG podcast. It was a lot of fun, and uh, we'll talk to you again later. So thanks for listening.